Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Hey, boys and girls from Iceland to Cyprus, from Gibraltar to Murmansk, welcome to the fifth edition of the European Gang Talks Watches of Fifth Wrist. As we always say, if you want authentic insights into the world of horology, head over to fifthwrist.com. Se desideri approfondimenti genuini sul mondo dell'orologeria, vai su fifthwrist.com. This was Italian. The Fifth Wrist European Gang Talks are normally substantially influenced by Benoit at Petit Secondes, who is missing today, which is sad, but it will be even better next time he's back. Today, we as the European gang are cheating a little. We have a star guest from far away, as far away as it gets from Europe, a guest from Australia. He's a world-famous podcast host, a lover and specialist of independent watchmaking, member of the British Horological Society, <laughs> post of the most hilarious dirty Instagram posts, and many, many more. We call him the Duke of Ticks. And he was, as far as I know, we hear more about that later in Europe. Roman, how are you today? And what aspects of your personality had I better not forgotten? Hello, everyone. What a pleasure and a delight it is for you to interview me today. I can't <laughs> wait for this to happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I've been a you know long-term fan, obviously first-time caller. Uh, but no, it's absolutely awesome to join you guys. Now, I, the one thing I forgot to check is, do I need to turn up my Russian accent to be on the show? Hello, friends. <laughs> Lovely to be here. Um, I can, you know, I can do that voice throughout if that's if that's easy. I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, but no, it, it makes up. me feel like in Frankfurt's Goethe-Straße, which is the main shopping street, where you hear <laughs> that that uh, accent a lot. <laughs> In front oh, of no, Louis Vuitton and Gucci stores. <laughs> yes, well, I send my people there. That's where I get all my stuff from. <laughs> oh, look, absolute pleasure to be joining the world-famous European Gang Talks from Melbourne, Australia. Um, yeah, no, thank you for that kind introduction. I don't think I'm world-famous even in my own home, but that's <laughs> I'll, I'll take the compliment. So that's good. No, lovely you, to be here. Great to you see you. You definitely are. Если вас интересуют подлинные и честные мнения о мире часового искусства, заходите на наш сайт fifthwrist.com. Пятое запястье .com. This was Russian. And we start with you with the drink and wrist check. What have you prepared for us today? Rightio. So let's do drink checks first. So drink checks I have. I met up with a fellow member of the Fifth Wrist family cheerio to Jarrett at Humble Horologists, and he borrowed my James Lamb watch, which I posted about recently. So um, he actually left some drinks with me. He left some Byron, Brookies Byron Dry Gin and Tonic pre-mixed with native finger lime. I'm sure you can't see that. I, I suspect that's not available. Yeah, I don't know. It's quite quite nice, really. I suspect it's not available in Europe due to, you know, Geneva Convention or something. Um, <laughs> they're probably not allowed to export that. But it's very nice. So I've got one one in the mug. So it's a gin and tonic, essentially. One in the mug <laughs> and one on standby. So that's drinks-wise. Um, nice. In terms of wrist checks, 
always hard to know what to wear to the exalted European gang togs. You know, a lot of watches come from Europe, so it's hard to decide. Um, what I figured I'd play up to, I figured I'd play up to our immigrant listenership. So I've got my indicator, Calibrica indicator watch, obviously the best configuration, two hands, one lug, the only way to do <laughs> indicator. Um, re- that's what real men wear. Um, you'll see other, you know, you'll see other configurations, but, you know, don't be swayed. It's only one way to go. Yeah, two we, hands, we don't one look lug. at the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's barely worth noticing. So two hands, one lug, Calibrica indicator. Cheers Great. to Sergei. Friend, friend. Yeah, almost like a I feel like he's the he's now firmly enmeshed in the fifth wrist family. So Calibrica Absolutely. designs all the way. Absolutely. Certainly after his after his uh, appearance on the on the wristies. That was epic. where he played the the blues guitar so great yeah amazing yeah yeah epic so no he's a great guy um yeah so that's me that's enough talking from from my end i'll i'll i'll, I'll shut myself up okay wolfgang you're boring uh, drink and you're exciting my, wrist check yeah my boring drink is now a espresso it's it's lunchtime uh so it's too early for my for my soda water with apple cider vinegar <laughs> I for now stay with the coffee. So, and on my wrist, I have a Japanese watch, Seiko Grand, Grand Quartz. Uh, lovely little watch, Red Sunday. I bought it two months ago. I really like these old Seiko, Seikos with these the case the case design i liked it and the dial is also nice a little bit structures uh, structured the indices play with the light i like it lovely piece i can firmly see you you know using the russia v ukraine approach of encroaching onto onto pippi's area here <laughs> i can see wolf being slowly taken yeah, over yeah. Yeah. i just got to put a topical reference in while we're here while ukraine is still notionally on the map you know it might not work in a two weeks time or so so i thought <laughs> slip that might have to edit that out <laughs> <laughs> so phil do you have a psycho on your on your wrist or do you surprise oh, us well do you know what i'm going to surprise you I'm I am I'm double wristing and I've got I've got I've, and I've decided to double wrist um, I'm not going with Seiko today just because um, I didn't feel like it and I decided to double risk in the form of rhyme so I've got an angles on this on this uh, wrist which is the uh, wandering hours complication it's the mm-hmm. angles uh, three kings and on this wrist I've got langles or Langle, actually, which is, <laughs> uh, and that was that was my uh, dad's watch from back when he was a, a teenager or something that we found in a drawer when we were clean, cleaning the house out. And so it came my way and, uh, yeah, gave it a bit of a clean up and, and got it working. So I've got the angles and the langles today. <laughs> That's beautiful. And, all, beautifully and done. drinks drinks wise, uh, I've gone with a white today. And I thought because um, Wolfgang normally uh, lets us down with his soft drinks, I've gone with an Austrian <laughs> Uh, wine today. Oh, Grüner Weltliner. Grüner Weltliner. How much taste can you have? Grüner Weltliner <laughs> from Austria. Yeah. Wow. So I, I picked that. I picked that special. Do you know what? I've been saving that one since Christmas for our next podcast. Can you can you tell me? Can you tell me? Is it from the Wachau or from where? What 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 region of, of Austria? Oh, do it's, you know? It's from, from majestic. It's from majestic wine in Reading. <laughs> Majestic wine, <laughs> the wine Reading. shop. Ah, yeah, okay. the wine shop. Yeah. Show um, me the show me the the picture. 
Österreich. No, that's the wrong side, Phil. No, Niederösterreich, it said. <laughs> okay, it's Nether Austria. Okay, nice, nice. Anything on there for you? Yeah, yeah. Grüne Lina, it's yeah, it's not the picture is not sharp enough. Can can't read, but there you go. You can't go wrong with uh, with the groovy from Austria. You can't go wrong. <laughs> it's quite nice actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I have wine as well. Uh, also local, not local to <laughs> to Austria, but local to where I come from. I'm not sure whether I had that before. Um, if if I had that before, just fast forward for for a minute or so or it's worth hearing it again it's called a Liebfraumilch mm. which was a famous wine in Germany ages ago um then it basically got the synonym of of cheap sweet wine we did export to to America and the UK and a couple of years ago a friend of mine took that name and relaunched it and everybody said you're completely crazy to call a wine Liebfraumilch. Nobody will ever buy a Liebfraumilch because we all know it's bad. Um, but the success did prove him right. It's very, very famous. And it's my my everyday wine, which I'm drinking today as well. That's but, from the from the Mosel, right? right? No, it's from Palatinate. Pfalz from the ah. Palatinate. Mm -hmm. Where I grew up, that's why I know the winemaker. He, mm -hmm. he lived in the in the village next to I where where I grew up, mm -hmm. um, but I have to uh, lower my voice because my wife wife realizes that I'm drinking wine at that time of the day. <laughs> he's probably he's probably saying, "Oh, he's talking about his daily wine again." Um, <laughs> I hope he's at least talking to other people this time. Uh, <laughs> does so, the does the label translate to anything? Sorry, sorry, class. Yeah, that, yeah. Liebfraumilch means our milk maiden. Uh, our, no, night, no, our, our lovely, our lovely, our lovely lady. lady, which means uh, Maria, the the mother right. of Jesus, ah, uh, because gotcha. the original wine, which used to be a hundred years ago, a good one, was next to a, a monastery. You call it, don't you? Monastery. Sure. Um, um, that's and that, and that vineyard actually still exists, but that's not where that wine is from. That's just what gave the the, the wine its name ages ago. And then everybody sure. called it that name. And as I said, for the, all the bad stuff, we don't want to drink and export it. And mm. now it's it's a it's a good wine again. Now you can actually buy and drink it. Awesome. Other other um, winemakers actually jumped on that train, and you can buy several Liebfraumilch. Not only from my friend, you can buy several now from Germany. Right. Um, and it's basically a cuvee of different uh, uh, white wines, so that you don't know what you get if you buy it from somebody else. If you buy it mm. from my friend, you know it's it's a good one. Cool. <laughs> so shout out to Christoph Hamel. I put it in ah, the notes. Hamel. Yeah. I know this guy. <laughs> you really? Yeah. yeah, from my drinking area. I know the wines from, <laughs> from your drinking. Yeah, Christoph yeah. Hamel with a Hummel. long beard. Hummel, very yeah. funny guy. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. funny guy. If you with if you would ever mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He's that he's the guy. Yeah. Mm. You have to you have to, to look at him up on Instagram. Really funny mm. guy. His wines are brilliant, really good. Yep. I have to admit, German wines are really good wines. Absolutely. You can, yeah. You, you can't go wrong with German wines. Right. On well, my I'm wrist. Glad, sorry, I'm glad Benoit's not here. He'd be having a heart attack <laughs> to hear you say that. <laughs> you know, I, I gave him with a fifth wrist travel watch when I sent the travel watch to him. I put a German white wine, a, a very good and expensive one from another win, um, winemaker I know. Into so the that's package. the reason. That's the reason he is sick now. 
you can't be with us. <laughs> so I think it was the lip, it was the lip brown milch from. No, it was another one. It was another one I did send to him, a very very expensive one, for for me at least. And he was uh, sending me a video saying thank you for that wine, and he was showing me how he puts it into his wine cellar. I, I and thought the, how he short... puts it. How he puts it into the soup. <laughs> well, he's, he's washing the, ca- he's washing the car, you know, degreasing the car, the car engine. It's very good. Works really well. You know, it takes every stain out of the car. <laughs> no, he, he showed me his wine cellar. It was like, I think his cellar is as big as my, my flat here in Frankfurt. Mm. Huge. And lots of wines, for, uh, more, more, more expensive than his watches. Uh. Crazy, wow. crazy. Yeah, he sent, funnily enough, when he sent the travel watch to me, he sent me a nice bottle of wine with it. Yeah, and, I and still have his wine so. here. He, he sent me, a, for another reason, a while ago, and I still haven't found an opportunity to open it because it's such a, such a good wine mm. um, that it has, has to be a special celebration. Ah, it's lovely On my wrist. listening to you. Yep, sorry, you sorry, Roman, you, you first. No, no, no. I was just going to say it's lovely that you European people send each other wine. I mean, in Australia, we would just send each other veg, like a jars of Vegemite or something, <laughs> or, or slabs of beer. Actually, that we would we would send you slabs of beer. So <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to figure something out. But sorry, sorry, Klaus, you were you were talking or about rum. your wrist. Um, check my wrist check, I... which is actually boring as well, because of course another time in Oxen Junior, um, which is for two reasons: a uh, 80% of the time I'm wearing one of my two Oxen Juniors. And B, we come to that later. We talk about languages on dials later, maybe. And on an Oxen Junior, there's nothing printed on there. Not not even the name Oxen Junior, not even Moon Phase or something. There's just nothing on there, uh, which I found kind of uh, okay for the for today's podcast. Klaus, do you have some kind of watch-wearing regimen? So, for example, that you change every day or that you change from Monday to Thursday, you have one watch and then you have another? No, no. I always, always wear what I'm, what I, what I'm feeling for, for mm-hmm. the day. And then I, uh, when I, when I um, get up in the morning, I choose my clothes depending mm-hmm. on which watch I'm wearing. Uh-huh. Very so reasonable. Yeah, at, the ta- yeah. at the times where, where you still wear did wear suit and tie. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, did, did choose the tie depending on the on the watch I had for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, we, nobody wears ties anymore, which is maybe a pity, it, maybe it not. I'm not sure. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. Believe me. But I have no. No. It's. It's. It depends. But basically, um, at, at the, in the last couple of months, it's. 80% one of the two Oxen Juniors and the rest 20% it's it's the Hermes. It, it may change, but mm-hmm. um, and, but there's no reason for it. It's just how I feel. They're all great watches, though. I mean, they work really well. Yeah, and it's in my mind, whenever I see Oxen Junior, it's your your face pops up into my <laughs> subconscious. So it's good. So you're firmly associated with it now. Yeah, and I have to I have to have a new challenge on on a podcast where I make a podcast not mentioning Oxen Junior. Um, mm. It will be difficult. But when we do Never that German happen. small brands, always there is one reason that that the 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 um, watch brand guys mention Oxen Junior. I didn't mention them; they mentioned them for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's all it's associated with me. It's it's it's. Uh, 
It's yeah. your hubbering. It's your curse. Yeah. Like we have it's hubbering curse. with that's Anthony. What, that's what, yeah, it's your curse. It's a cross you bear. That's right. <laughs> that was the word I was looking for. And as mentioned in uh, well, an article, not mentioned an article in the Horological Journal. Ah, right. Yeah. Did, I, did you see that on Instagram? I put a story on there. Oh, yeah. really? Since it sent me that art, that that horological magazine uh, with that article on, and um, uh, t- tonight I'll send it to Cornelia von Oxen Junior. I said not the magazine, but the pictures of it. The magazine I will, I will of course keep, but I will send the pictures uh, of it. And in the same magazine, they were talking about this Greek mechanism, which I don't know how to pronounce. Antikythera. Exactly. And Ludwig Axlin did make a remake of that, which is in the MIH in, in La Chaux-de-Fonds. And in that issue of the horological magazine, somebody else built a reproduction as well. Oh, wow. And describes it, uh, how he did it. I've not read it yet because it needs time. It's, it's complicated. It's really with mathematics and everything. Yes, it's very complicated. <laughs> I I have a vague memory that Hublot, you know, the brand we all mm. love equally, um, Hublot made an Antikythera wristwatch. I'm pretty sure they made one with a mechanism, maybe a limited edition of 30 or 50. It was a small number, okay. but I'm pretty sure that did exist. Okay. I mean, I'm not encouraging people to buy it. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I made a note to read about it. I'm certainly sure, okay. <laughs> so I just saw a three lot of eyeballs just quickly going on Chrono 24. That's why I just thought I better just pull back a little. Um, I don't know how much it is, but I'm pretty sure they did something like that. And I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure it's uh, um, it's so expensive that it's not even worth thinking about it. Well, I'm sure when they bring out the next version with, you know, another a superhero on it. I mean, Black Panther is taken. Maybe if they do Captain America, that's when we want to buy it. You know, we want to buy version one. We want to buy one with a superhero on it. All right. Okay. So, what can the listeners expect today? We have two mean uh, two main subjects today. The one is obviously uh, Conan the Roman the Destroyer, and the other is. Uh, <laughs> Um, as we are such an international <laughs> show today, we talk about languages as they are printed on dials, etc. Um, so, and we'll have the usual rant today, and we have also a watch we'll talk about, a watch by uh, a French guy with a German name who produces a Swiss watch, so it fits well into the into the language theme we have later on. Pour des points de vue authentiques sur le monde de l'horlogerie, rendez-vous sur fifthwrist.com. This was French. So, but we start, of course, with our, yeah, with our special guest, Roman. Roman, we want to know more about the person behind you and the person behind Independent Thinking Show. Um, One approach we have prepared as an alternative to these five rapid fire questions, which Anthony always makes, we call the five years one word. To learn more about you, uh, and also about the rest of the European gang, we would like to talk very briefly about every five years in our lives to describe the main story of those five years in one word or short claim. Mm. Um, oh, to five years, five to 10 years, etc. cetera. To, to get it started, um, I'll start so that you know how, how it could work. We start with Europeans and you, Roman, you are last because you have more than one sentence as the, as the star guest, <laughs> if you want to. Um, in the first five years, I found it quite difficult. Klausi, Klausi boy. Yeah, 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 of course. Could you please uh, set up the, conc- uh, the, 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 the order? 
So you are the first, then who is the second, third? Okay, you are the second. Ah, Phil okay. is number three. Roman is number four. Okay, great. Good idea. So we don't have to discuss that later. Oh, to five, I was growing up with my elder brother. So my O to five is I can't remember anything, but I must have been landing on Earth in an hospital in Salzburg, and Neil Armstrong was landing on the moon. My O to five day? No, 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 no. Armstrong was sixty nine. I'm sixty four. My O to five, youngest of four. Youngest of four. Wow. Roman? Youngest of four. So you have, aha, uh -huh, okay. Uh, my zero to five was, you know, growing up and having enormous fun in the Soviet Union. Iron Curtain, I was right behind it. Mm -hmm. Not so, much away from Vienna. <laughs> um, uh, by distance, not by culture, yeah, by I would distance. say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and by culture as well. They still have hammer and... Um, Sickle. Sickle in in the in the in the, in the in flag, the, in the flag. Um, mm, wow. five to ten. I we moved into our house on the countryside, and the first thing we watched on our first TV, which we got in the new house in the old flat, we didn't have a TV. The first thing we we watched was the landing on the moon. Mm -hmm. So five five to ten is uh, visiting elementary school and getting no no and and seeing the first time girls <laughs> and don't and don't know what to do with them that early that's a problem at every watch get together now yeah. <laughs> i have that in i have it in every five year section by me <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my five to ten is hand me down timex uh -huh. Oh, wow. That oh, says everything. Really. Mm. Uh, so my five to ten, uh, well, um, playing a lot of street soccer and a lot of street ice hockey, obviously in different seasons of the year, and Chernobyl nuclear disaster. So uh -huh. I was about 400 kilometers away. So wow. This I was mean, not Chernobyl. This was Chernobyl. Chernobyl, 1986 Chernobyl was. And it, so it's closer to five than to 10 in my mm -hmm. case, but um, they did sort of cast a bit of a shadow across. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wasn't super close, but I also was, my family felt close and then ideal. So we were about 400 kilometers away. So right. Was, you mm -hmm. know, in, no. in, in, the, in the affected area, but not in the epicenter, mm -hmm. obviously. Right. I can remember this, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 actually not that much um school skateboard i'm not a sporty guy but i was one of the first kids that shows you how old i am with, with a skateboard and 10 to 15 that was the time where my brother and me we were looking through mail order catalogs and we are were mainly looking at the section of watches liar <laughs> you mean I was underwear. just thinking no, that watches. i was just thinking that <laughs> this that's was right. yeah that's interesting because 10 to 15 is secondary school. Still no idea what to do with these girls, but <laughs> always await, awaiting this big fat catalog that came two times that came twice a year into the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were all goods you can it was the Amazon, yeah. the today's Amazon, and it had a very interesting 
department, the lingerie department. And this was <laughs> exactly, you know, there was no internet, there was no porn to look at. So we all, the, all, the only thing we had was this catalog. And so we were very interested <laughs> what we got to see there in, in spring <laughs> and in, in autumn. There was twice, <laughs> twice a year a new catalog. Yeah. So you really kept abreast of the underwear section fashions. <laughs> and I use the word abreast very, very, you know, knowingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very well. Your, your eyes glazed over for a little while there, Wolfgang, while you're remembering <laughs> yeah, 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 walking yeah. down that memory lane. <laughs> anyway, my uh, my 10 to 15 is nicking digital watches off of my brothers. Wow. <laughs> so life of crime commenced early for you. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to see the next five years. It's like Borstal, you know, Juvenile Detention Centre, <laughs> first release. <laughs> uh, very good. Oh, very cool. Uh, so my 10 to 15, quite eventful as well for the family. So we moved, so, so moved to Australia. So I was about 12. So that was a really big thing. So obviously culture shock. Um, so my 10 to 15 were essentially learning to speak English by watching Seinfeld and the Wheel of Fortune uh, <laughs> with alternating success, obviously, but mixed success very much. But yeah, that was my characterized, you know, just learning English, trying to be, you know, I still remember the awe of walking into a Western supermarket. I still remember that. And that's, that's the magic probably similar to what Wolfgang had with the mail catalog arriving twice. <laughs> you know, that kind of mm -hmm. eye opening and kind of utter disbelief. So I still mm -hmm. remember that. So that's and, my and Roman and Roman, why did your family decide to to go to Australia and why Australia? Because Australia is really quite far away. Yeah, yeah I mean that's it's a good question. Um, and I can expand. I might take a little bit of time, and I know we want to sort of fast forward through this through this bit because I know most listeners will. Um, so, <laughs> so um, you look, we came to Australia in 1994 so the soviet union collapsed in about 92 because mm -hmm. um, prior to that you sort of really didn't have any option of leaving um at that time russia had um well russia still has compulsory military service for young mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. um and that time uh my brother who's four years older received his military notice um and at the time there was the chechen war happening mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember mm -hmm. and essentially at that time all the new rec or a lot of the new recruits were being shipped so you, you'd get okay. basic training and, and out. And my parents were sort of thought, you know, let's ideally we wouldn't do that. Soviet Union collapsed. We had some very tentative, very tenuous relatives around. Well, so we had people in Germany, we had people mm -hmm. in Canada, people in Australia. It just happened to be that Australia at that time was quite receptive to immigration. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't want to go political, but that's that has shifted now, unfortunately. So Australia is very much not. Mm -hmm open to immigrants at the moment mm. which is really shameful um but at that time yeah just happened to be australia it could have been it could have been germany i could have been much closer to you guys i uh, mm. wouldn't have to put on this australian accent to <laughs> just speak in the pan-european language we all speak um yeah but just happened to be here so but it was, it was really that collapse of the soviet union mm. and then my brother's okay. military service ideally they didn't um, want him to serve so yeah okay. but no regrets um yeah and Russia what, is what, wonderful what, and what profession did your father or parents have? Because Australia, I think, is a little bit picky. Who who can come to Australia? He has to have some something. Yeah, they have. Yeah, he has Australia to, has to bring to the country. 
Mm. Yeah, that's right. The, you, you're right. So Australia has a points-based immigration system, mm-hmm. uh, probably similar to, I think, what other countries are trying to introduce as well. So my parents, so my father's an engineer uh, in sort of in food production. My mother's a primary school teacher or kindergarten teacher, okay. sort of early childhood teacher. So they both came to Australia. Neither of their qualifications were recognised because Australia is quite picky about that. So my mm. parents essentially had to learn English, re- mm. retrain and then got jobs in the same field. So my father retrained, became a food engineer here. My mother, I mean, my father's retired, but my mother's still working. So she's still a kindergarten teacher. And kind of my 10 to 15, you know, learning English from Seinfeld and Wheel of Fortune was also complemented by (laughs) writing out. So my parents would, well, they both went to university. They would write their assignments in engineering and early childhood education in Russian, and I would transcribe them into English for them. So, you know, Mm. so in case topics like, you know, the Loris Malaguzzi education system or the Montefiore schools come together, I've got a (laughs) bit of information prepared just in case. Uh, Also, if you want to talk about, you know, how chocolate bars are made or the correct temperature to store meat, I I can talk to you about that. So I've got a little bit of... In the grounding in both of those. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the that's kind of the baseline. You're probably getting a glimpse into my life more than you needed. Right. No, that's that's what we what this show is for. Yeah. That's what we intend to do, Roman. Absolutely. Sure. No secrets here. So my 15 to 20 is comparably boring then. Um two words for that for that time between 15 and 20 is music and girls. So I started late compared to to you, Wolfgang. But oh, that it's, music and girls were my life at, at that was, stage. I was I was only life. theoretically engaged in girls. <laughs> it's just so uh, we are now. What are we now? Fifteen to twenty. Fifteen to twenty. So ah, fifteen to twenty. I I went to a business middle school in Austria, and this was my first wrong decision in my life. Uh, because I should have, uh, I should have chosen the the technical school. I think mm-hmm. I had a, a little bit of talent for technical things, but because my best friend uh, in these days went for the technical uh, option, I thought I I'm so happy if I don't see this guy anymore. I go to the business department. And so I learned all things about bookkeeping and this boring stuff. And it was really uh, a drag. And okay, uh, my holidays were super. We, we were going to Greece and there were also these girls. And I, and I, <laughs> I, I was getting the idea what to do with them. Uh, you know, we've been 17 years old. And this is my first holidays without parents, just with the rucksack, going to Greece on an island, meeting all these completely crazy Englishmen. I mean, I have never seen <laughs> such crazy people like the English, maybe the Scandinavians, but the English especially. I can remember this harbor in Greece on this island. It was Eos, and it was the party island in these days. And there was, on the horizon, there was this ship coming in, into the harbor. And the ship was full of English people. And they jumped over the board before the the, 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 the ship, the ferry, was in the harbor, swam on the, on the beach, and putting on a flag <laughs> like like conquering this this eos island 
it was crazy really that's, crazy that's we, why we that's why we had an empire yeah that's, <laughs> that's the, the empire blood in these english guys yeah yeah this was really a nice nice time in my life yeah so for me uh 15 to 20 of um was uh girls uh, work uh football and beer <laughs> in that order i presume <laughs> no probably football first to be fair <laughs> and uh yeah and the arsenal the arsenal is uh, in my blood the arsenal football club that is not guns <laughs> sure good save good yeah. save Roman, yeah. Roman, yeah. So sorry, apologies. See, I'm yeah, I, I, I'm not used to this strictly regimented and planned <laughs> pan-European style of running things. Beautifully done. Um, I, I I feel like I'm letting the team down. I feel very much like the Arsenal of the Premier League, letting oh, everybody down. No, no. Oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk later. Hey, look, I, I have a strong affinity to Arsenal. Once again, we'll do a quick side side zag into Arsenal. So when I was newly arrived in Australia, Arsenal was the football team I could support because at that time, Arsenal bought a defender from Dynamo Kiev called Oleg Luzhny. Luzhny. He was like a, yeah, he was like a tractor, you know, it was yes. like, wasn't fast, but he, and he, but, and he couldn't really run or cross or really play, but he was just like a steam engine. You know, you'd put him on the field. He would just mow everybody down. He so, was good at getting he in was the way. Hero. He was very exactly. good at getting yeah, was, in the way. Yeah, yeah, you move like much, very much like Soviet Union itself. Um, very much in the way. Oleg Luzhny, number twenty-three, I want to say, maybe twenty-four. Like yeah. an odd number, like a funny number jer jersey. You know, um, they didn't retire it when he left, so it's still available even now. Um, but he was, you know, but he was like a hero to all of us who couldn't really pronounce any other players' names. We could pronounce his name, so I have a soft spot for Arsenal. Um, so fifteen to twenty. Very much started. Yeah, it's, I think we all had a very similar kind of experience. It was, for me, it was university life. Um, I've, by that stage, I felt like I was, yeah, I, I knew enough English to communicate. I had a, a quite a whole new set of friends when I went to university. I kind of became much more integrated into the Australian society. So I feel like my English went up a lot. So it was essentially, I discovered Australian culture because prior to that, I was kind of very insular in sort of, with Russian friends and more with the Russian community. So it was very much, I discovered beer, essentially, is what I'm trying and to Roman, say. <laughs> Roman, what is exactly Australian culture? I mean, you you said beer, but <laughs> now what, what's the uh, the culture? Is, is it? It's very, so Australian culture is very laid back. So sport is a big thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So what I discovered when I kind of acquired Aussie friends as in Australian friends is there's a lot of kind of just chilling out essentially mm -hmm. very much not beach, Russian beach style. life beach life yeah but, yeah no. so beach watching sport so Australian rules football which is sort of loosely contained mayhem I don't know mm -hmm. if anyone's seen <laughs> that um, cricket I've just I acquired my love of cricket which is really weird to anyone who's not born in Australia or England but right. uh, you know I'm mad for the game which is mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things I think. As an immigrant who's passionately kind of patriotic about my new country, I feel very much, you know, connected to it. And it's wonderful to see Australia beat England thoroughly. Sorry. Sorry, Phil. I was going to say, um, it, it probably helps that they're quite good. 
<laughs> it does, but 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 to be honest, once again, we're zigzagging into into this is this is turning into like my um uh like a session with a counselor, you know, to tell me about your mother, you know. <laughs> I I prefer when they don't win. I like the underdog. <laughs> I I change my football team affiliations when my team starts winning because it's less interesting to me, you know. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, I ditched Manchester United for the longest time because they were good. Now they're b- terrible again. I'm. I'm falling. I'm starting to follow them again because, like, it's just so wonderful to see them struggle. And you're, you know, you're dead to me. <laughs> it's wonderful to see Cristiano Ronaldo deeply unhappy. I mean, that brings me joy, you know, to see him go because I can't stand him. So that brings me joy to see him so unhappy. So, um, it, by the way, if anyone's listening here and unhappy, just direct all your complaints to Klaus. He's in charge of the mailbag for this for this week. So, but yeah, so fifteen to twenty, fifteen to twenty for me was very much. Aussie friends, immersing myself in Aussie culture and, and beer. Um, I, I met my girlfriend, who's now my wife as well, so that's important. I definitely should put that in there. Absolutely. Uh, but it was very much, yeah, very much kind of Aussie culture and beer. <laughs> so 20 and surf, to 20. Surfing, surfing, maybe. Surfing. I, no, I, no, no, no surfing. see, I have the I, – I brought with me the Ukrainian person's in, immense distrust of the ocean. Um, I mean, we have the Black Sea, so mm-hmm. which is which is not the same as Australian shark-infested kind of crazy mm. beaches. So I'm um, yeah. So I, I don't like uh-huh. the beach; it's too hot for me. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't. In the words of Woody Allen, you know, I don't tan; I stroke. So I can't be in the sun so uh, for too long. So indoors, beer gardens or indoor drinking is really my milieu. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I think of Australia, I've been there once on business. Um, the first thing which comes into mind is is boats and and beaches where like 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 wolfgang though so i would have expected similar things mm-hmm. yes that, that's that's what we what we experience from the tv and and so and so on from from australia you know you have the great barrier reef we do you have for now for you now have, hmm? sorry i said for now while yeah, with global now. warming yeah, who yeah, knows yeah. for it's how long but it is there at the moment Yeah, yep. yeah, right. Then enormous, enormous uh, kilometers to go to the next town. Yes, yes. Uh, and some towns on the on the on the on the edge of the continent, and in the middle there is hot hmm. sand and yes. nothing. Red, yes. red, yeah, red dirt. Uh, well, there's red. not nothing. There's a lot of sort of minerals and gold, and You're right. we just don't tell people about that. Um, no. But there is a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, but you're right. Australia is very big in mining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, mm. Klausy, go on. Okay, twenty to twenty-five. This was maybe the the most intensive time. I was leaving home. I was going to university. Um, girls, more girls, <laughs> and funny watches to impress girls, which obviously, as you all know, didn't work. Mm-hmm. That's a failed strategy for all of us yeah, here on this. Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> but cheap cheap quartz, funny watches in in the shape of a crocodile. I remember that one in the shape of a crocodile, which all girls found funny, but it didn't really help. Okay, <clears throat> so twenty uh, to twenty five, I was moving to Vienna, the only one, the only town in Austria that you can call town. It's it's also the capital. Uh, I always wanted to leave Salzburg and going to Vienna, and I made that. And I was getting a job 
what was also a bad decision. And I was becoming a father. So you can see I was now fully aware of what to do with <laughs> girls, but I wasn't completely, I wasn't completely, uh, I didn't, no, uh, I, be I became a father. That was my 20 to 25. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, my 20 to 25 was, uh, was uh, work, fun, uh, moving out of my parents' house. Um, I had to because uh, my mum uh, lost her job as a lingerie model in an Austrian catalogue company. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I can, I can remember. I can remember that. <laughs> I was missing her. I was missing her. <laughs> so, uh, I yeah, went, so I went to Vienna to find a new, a real yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, just um, yeah, work, fun, playing, uh, earn, earning money and, and working out fun ways to waste it <laughs> oh that's very good um yeah look my 22 it's really interesting that hearing how we kind of a lot of our stories really dovetail and, and i guess maybe the the age brackets are kind of universal for people so mm -hmm. yeah 20 to 25 I, I i mean thinking about it i think i was kind of finding myself it was you know when you get your first job when you move out of home so i moved in with my girlfriend who's now my wife um yeah it was just just yeah, fun time, fun time. I was getting into thinking about it now. I was probably starting to get into the path that would take me eventually into watches, which, you know, I, I sort of got into history, particularly navigation, maritime history, you know, with strong kind of aspects of colonization. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I was kind of wrestling with that, particularly living in Australia, that's kind of relevant. Um, so I was kind of working backwards and then I stumbled onto navigation and then we'll talk about in the next little section about how I, that translated into watches. But oh, yeah, okay. 2025 is very much finding myself and starting to take, you know, independent steps into the into the world. Into so, the world, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So up to 30, 25 to 30, that, um, I have lots of uh, memories about that. That was mainly work and lots of travel. I worked uh, for a British company in the in the audio industry and i was traveling to to various places in the world um so work was fun work was travel work was very hard as well but fun and it was also the time i married my first wife and it was also uh, the time where i bought my first mechanical watch on a holiday i still know that it was a flea market on plus d'algerie which is in the east of paris uh, I bought my first Hoyer Chrono, which I don't own anymore, unfortunately. But that's where it all started to get serious with watches. Saatçilik dünyasına otantik bir bakış açısı elde etmek istiyorsanız, www.fifthwrist.com'u ziyaret ediniz. This was Turkish. Well, uh, 25 to 30. My career in a financial advisory company was moving on, was moving forward, uh, but my relationship fell apart. Uh, so I, uh, I had my career. I had I, I moved in my own uh, flat again. Uh, I had my son each week for two days, and it was a lot of hustle because you know bringing the son in the morning to the kindergarten, then heading to the work, then from the work again to the kindergarten. Uh, the kindergarten has only opened until 6 o'clock p.m., so you have to be on time there, bringing him back, 
cooking. So you get a pretty good idea what work it is for women normally mm. to take care of the of, of children, you know. So yes, this this was my 25 till 30 career moving forward, always getting more responsibilities from from the company and and yeah and having my and falling back to these times when you are singing with all the things that come with that yeah okay well mine was um i was still single so i've just written women <laughs> <laughs> i seem to be the only one that's read the brief that says five years one word not five years <laughs> two paragraphs <laughs> Well, we're all getting very maudlin now. I mean, I think they'll be crying next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, fun. look, uh, for me, it was, look, yeah, um, yeah. look, I think it was sort of similar to between two of you. I mean, I, I wasn't chasing women. I, you know, I, I was with my girlfriend, yeah. who's now my wife. So, you know, there was any chasing of women will not be discussed on a recorded interview because you might hear this at some point uh maybe during the divorce proceedings um so <laughs> so yeah look i mean it was yeah work was moving a bit forward um starting to get more responsibility that's fine i started thinking about kind of i started reading about history and particularly navigation and how the british empire in particular conquered the world or acquired the nations of the commonwealth <laughs> Um, well, because I was in Australia and it was particularly relevant, which then led me on to marine chronometers. Um, and then once you get to marine chronometers, you start thinking about, you start reading about, you know, Breguet, Leroy, Bertou, those sort of guys. Uh, I got, I started reading about Breguet through his chronometers, found the book by George Daniels, which was The Art of Breguet read that, thought, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder who this George Daniels guy is. Read the pre preface because what sort of maniac re reads a preface of a book before reading a book? Go, oh, wow, he's an independent watchmaker. I didn't even know what that is. <laughs> read that, looked him up and thought, oh, my God, this guy makes watches by hand. Once I saw that, I was gone. You know, I was head over heels into kind of this independent horology stuff. So I think I talked about it in a previous podcast. I've managed to bypass the, my dad had a Rolex and I remember it glinting on, on his wrist every time he took me to the, sea, to the sea. I never had that, you know, obviously from the Soviet Union, the only person who had a Rolex was probably the general secretary of the presidium of the people's delegates, um, Comrade Brezhnev or somebody. Brezhnev. Um, yeah, that's right. Or, or, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, but, but, I, but looking back on it, this was kind of the start of me falling into this, history trap that eventually led me to watch it. So it's quite, quite significant in my own little private history where we are now. So um, between 30 and 35, that was a very important part of my life. Uh, I bought a house um, on the countryside where uh, with a barn, I could build a small uh, a hobby audio studio in there. Um, and most importantly, shortly after we built the house, our kids came. So that was the time where my two kids came to me. And so that was probably, in retrospective, the best time of my life because I love my kids. <laughs> so for me, you know, I'm, I'm single again and I, I fell back in, the, in this period of nicotine, alcohol, sex and jazz 
because I was not so much the rock and roll guy. I was always the jazz uh, guitar guy. I went to the conservatorium in Vienna and uh, tried to learn jazz, tried to play jazz guitar. And uh, I was not very successful, but I was always playing in bands and I still am. And I, that's like a red thread mm-hmm. through my life. Uh, music is something that I will always have and I always had. I started playing guitar late. I was already 16 and it was the same year then uh, the Back in Black album from ACDC came out and I was completely flabbergasted from this LP. I couldn't sleep. I, I really, I couldn't sleep anymore and I had to by the next day, I bought my first electric guitar and I wanted to play like that. <laughs> and it was really, you know, in these days, you could impress other people by having the skills on guitar and so on, you know. The, other people, yeah. Other people, people yes. People, other of people, course, yeah. Other people. So, <laughs> so I also found a new relationship uh, in the company. I had to solve the year two. 2000 problem if anybody can remember year 2000 yeah we bought all these toilet papers in the company and all these cans of beans this was my idea idea how to solve the problem <laughs> it turned out that it was not so much a problem at all uh, but okay this was for me the this time yeah. You got them through the crisis. I think yeah. we all need to yeah. remember that you got yeah. them through the crisis. Yeah. With toilet papers and canned beans. Yeah. Well, you almost, once you buy one, you have to buy the other. If you're yeah, stocking sure. up on beans, you need the toilet paper. Otherwise, it's <laughs> yeah. just a public nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For, for me, uh, 30, 35, still women. Um, I was still single. So uh, travel. And a horrible confession, a fossil. <laughs> a fossil. Of a which, dinosaur, hopefully. No, or not on the wrist, sure. A fossil, no, I'm which, joking. I'm which, joking. a fossil which I do still have. Oh, wow. I don't wear Nothing it, wrong. but it's still in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Whatever leads you to the path of whatever. I mean, clearly the women were. Well, you, you had your mind on women. Horology was secondary, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, 30 to 35. Yeah. Look, I mean, for me, the most, you know, my wife and I got married. Um, I had a boy, so I've got, uh, my son came in that sort of time frame, which is of course, hugely important because now I'll have somebody who can sell my watches off after I'm gone. Yeah. So that's always good. You know, it's always nice to pass something on so they can waste it. Uh, you know, it's, it's the thing we do, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah, it's no, that, that was that. And yeah, really just getting deep into watches. The thing I remember in that 30 to 35, I was dazzled by complicated watches. You know, when I started getting into watches finally, you know, I thought time-only watches were for grandparents, um, you know, because they can't read the eyesight goes and they can only do big hands, big loom, giant watches. I was dazzled by complicated watches. I couldn't get enough of chronographs, perpetual calendars, Quartz chiming watches. I mean, people, Phil, you, you confess the fossil. I'll confess an Invicta perpetual calendar. 
uh, minute repeater type thing, which is actually not as bad as it sounds. It was it almost is. decent. No, it it was almost decent. It, it's, it's everything. No, no, I mean, no, no. Oh, no, yes. So, yes, the sound was dreadful. That is very true. It was the same movement that actually the citizen using their Compagnola watches. So it was decent movement, decent watch. But, yeah, I was dazzled by complicated watches. That's really kind of horologically I was just couldn't get enough. Um, ironic now. So 35 to 40, um, basically kids, routine, which leads on to the next five years. I'd, uh, what happened there? Lots of routine. I had to also had to uh, accommodate my nephew, which I did. I like to do, but he had to live with us for, for a lot of lots of family reasons. So it was a hard time. And because of that, I bought my first proper watches. Uh, in that time, I bought my first SIN, which I still have. Uh, no, it's the second sin, which I still have. And I bought my first Breitling used my Navi timer, which I also still have. My very first sin I've sold already, but at that time I bought my sin 900 Flieger, which I, which I still own. Uh, apart from that, all I noted down for that uh, part of my life is mainly, as I said before, routine. <laughs> I like how you had the second sin because I was going to make a joke about your original sin. Uh, but you know you've already told us that you don't have it anymore so yeah. I'll, I'll be quiet I'll, I'll see myself out so I apologize. I'll, I'll excuse myself out he doesn't have it yet you still managed to make the joke <laughs> that's that's good that's I'm, good a, I'm a dad I'm contractually allowed to make those sort of jokes now that's one of the reasons you have children so you could do those the dad jokes uh, but I'll be yeah. quiet now I'll be quiet now that's right so 35 to 40 I'm still I'm still in the nicotine, alcohol, sex, and chess thing. Still not in, in watches. I have, I think I had a quartz watch, some rectular, uh, rectangular quartz watch, but it was for me, right? It was just a, a functionality, a functional instrument, you know? It's just, uh, it shows me the time and that's all. Not really into watches, but I had to wear suit and tie in the company. And, uh, you know, we made some branches in former communist countries like Czech Republic, Slovakia, Croatia, Hungary, Poland, Romania. This was the time when, when all these Western companies thought they should go east. Yeah. Uh, and bring, yeah. And lose all their money in the east and then go back to the west and and mourn about all the losses and the 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 witty europe uh, witty eastern european guys uh it was really fun it was really fun because you know i can remember the czech guy matias matias could um, speak czech and you have to know that czech is probably one of the most difficult languages on earth so you just can't learn it czech you have to born you have to be born in Czechoslovakia in, in in the czech republic or it, it's impossible mm. so matias uh had to learn another language and we spoke english okay but matias thought it would be a good idea if he wouldn't learn english but he would do me a favor to learn german <laughs> So and now you have to know that German is also not quite an easy language. <laughs> and he was, you know, what we what we had to do is setting up a, a, a branch of, of administration with complicated words <laughs> and complicated processes. 
and Matthias was gibberishing in German, <laughs> in German. And I thought, I, I really, I just kill him just to redeem him from suffering, just to redeem him from suffering. I kill him. And the only thing that I didn't do that is he had a black, he had a black belt in karate. So <laughs> I it was not a good idea, but it was so terrible. It was so, so Matthias, if you're hearing that, <laughs> I love you. It was a wonderful time, but it was also really, it was really alcohol, nicotine, alcohol, and nicotine. And the rest of the time, you just wasted. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the time, I wasted on women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, uh, 35 to 40 was um, met my met a woman who became my wife. Got married just before I was 40, so uh, changed job a couple of times and uh, changed the job or the company that I'm still with now. So nothing, nothing all that exciting. Well, apart mm. from obviously getting married, that was very exciting. <laughs> all well saved, right at the end. Then yeah, saved by the book. Um, yeah, for me, look, 35 to 40. That's heading to. I am just over 40 now, so I'll be bowing out of the game very soon. Uh, so for me, it was you know career change. Um, I had a bright idea to change careers a month before the pandemic hit. Um, I highly not recommend that to people uh, in case anyone's wondering. Um, but look, settled in, that's fine. New career is going well. Um, yeah, and I think fifth wrist really came up at the right time for me in that kind of closer to 40. And then connecting with really cool, wonderful people around the world, people like, you know, some of whom I'm getting to speak to now. Uh, um yeah so yeah really discovering kind of a new community which is really nice i mean i'm not really on social media apart from instagram so yeah fifth risk has been wonderful so and then obviously the big theme in my kind of horological life has really been the independence definitely the last five years and probably maybe the last seven or eight years have been that so really getting to know some of them getting to communicate with them and really yeah just discovering the joy in people who, who do this sort of crazy stuff uh, because they feel compelled to. So, yeah, that's me. So um, up to 45, same thing, routine. I got a new job, um, which is not routine, but it's this job I, I still do today. Um, so actually that at that stage of life, uh, routine is another basic uh, main word here. 40 to 45. Interesting. So I, uh, did, did you notice, Wolfgang, I had just one word or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, your, your life, you know, your life is uh, boring. There's not, there's not much to say about. Yeah. <laughs> so 40 to, till 45. Interestingly, here I quit smoking. My lungs told me if you smoke two packets of cigarettes each day, like you did since you were 20 years old or 19 years old, it's your last five years period. Mm -hmm. So I, I quit smoking and, and that led to uh, gaining weight, interestingly. Mm. And that led to uh, becoming vegan. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I thought also, wow. I thought I, I have found the golden path. I was losing again uh, uh, kilograms. But uh, yeah, in the end, you know, we will see what, what happens. Other, other than that, I was feeling to become a little bit unhappy in the job, but I 
didn't change. I was already in my 40s. I made, in hindsight, I made the wrong decision to stay in this job because it wouldn't get better. And the chance is to find something else interesting and also financially interesting gets lower and lower. I stayed in this mm. job, what was probably a wrong decision. So that's my 40 till 45. Mm. Well, my 40 to 45, I've just got one word written down, Rufus. Who is, who is my son. He came along half, halfway through the 40 to 45 bit, almost exactly. And uh, obviously, uh, like all of you guys know, it doesn't get better than that. Hmm. No, well said, well said. Um, I'm just in my 40 to 45 now, closer to 40, but yeah. you know, getting hopefully getting to get to 45. Yeah, look, it's COVID. I think the 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 defining things really the pandemic. So it's just whatever the weird thing is we're living in now. <laughs> you know that, and you know surviving, looking over kind of from the other side of the world of the Trump presidency and Brexit and looking all that shit show. Um, so yeah, so so doing that um, and yeah, doing more indie stuff, indie watch watches. That's really it. There's one thing you've forgotten there. Becoming a freeman of the city of London. That's yeah. That's that's very recent. That's right. Yes, and the liveryman of the worshipful company of clockmakers. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. That's true. You're right. I'm just accumulating well, random titles for no. Well, that's amazing. I'll, I'll ask you some more about that later, Raymond. <laughs> sure, yeah. absolutely. So I I was uh, continuing to say a routine routine, which basically led to uh in my next five year period of uh, 45 to 40, 50, which led to my divorce. And so that time is is basically my divorce, which was a which was a hard time, especially in the relationship to my children, um, which is still great that relationship. But at that time, it obviously it was really really hard. I I don't wish anybody to to go through that. And then yeah, girls and uh, and a new girl, and uh, actually then I started to look more into watches in, in that time. To my 50th birthday, I got my my first real expensive watch. Uh, I bought myself a Panerai. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so my 45 till 50, uh, I bought my first mechanical watch in 2014. I was, I don't know, 50, yeah, 50. And my interest in watches started a little bit. You know, I was the type of the suit and tie guy. And I thought, I just thought I, I need some kind of accessoire, <laughs> you know. It's just that it looks good, you know. I wasn't interested in the me mechanical side. I just wanted to have a beautiful watch that looks good with a suit, you know. And the problem was then I... I went to this forum, this German watch forum, and then it started more and more and more and more. And, and I found, found out that I, I simply bought the wrong watch for my purpose. <laughs> it was a completely wrong watch. It was too big, much too big. It doesn't suit under the cuff and so on and so on. Okay. And all that started. But otherwise, my existing relation fell apart. So we have the same, Klausi. Uh, <laughs> I felt even more unhappy with the job, but I'm already 50, almost 50. I can't mm. change it anymore and so on. 
So this is the bad outcome of the wrong decision. It's always funny in, in life when you, when you look back, what decisions did you make or what decisions didn't you make? Mm. And the decisions you didn't make are almost worse than decisions yeah. that you did make. <laughs> so, and I stopped being vegan after seven years. Wow. This was the period. No, 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 no. I still was vegan. Sorry. I ah, I found a new wife. I found a new wife. I you just really wanted to ask the question. I know, I know yeah, your wife I a little bit. I found a new wife, and yes, glad you remember that. Yes, I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. That it's for the five years. So enough. Okay, uh, forty-five to fifty. Um, Seiko. <laughs> 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 yeah, going to watches, going to Seikos or vintage Seikos, not modern ones because they're awful. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, fell down, fell down the rabbit hole that uh, we're all still in. I found into a rabbit of. Uh, I It's it's not you, Roman, anymore because you you're too young. I, I can try and predict so, so what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, forty-five to fifty. You know, obviously the pattern of the show is divorce, so I guess that's yeah. when the divorce yeah. comes. Um, then presumably, then eventual spiral into self-loathing and getting into Rolex. I can foresee that now. So, yeah. uh, no, we, we 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 make that quick now. The last couple yes. of years, so up to fifty-five. Um, I can say the main thing was I, I married my wife, which is now still my wife, which is the best thing I could do next to getting my kids. Um, and I moved with her to Frankfurt. Um, so I still own that house on the countryside, uh, but I'm living most of the time in, in a small flat here in Frankfurt. And we, and we really enjoy the town. We really enjoy ourselves. And yeah, that's it. So 50 to 55 that I married, I married my, my, my wife. Uh, <laughs> I had a pretty decent accident. Yeah. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. An accident that was uh, really impacting me. Then we moved to the countryside in Austria. Uh, I stopped being vegan uh, and I don't know how, But I think I was on Instagram and somehow there was this fifth wrist guy. I don't know who exactly. I wrote him. I think I wrote him a message. Maybe I think it was Alex. No. Must have been. It's Alex. It's Alex. Yeah, trolling. Yeah, yeah. trolling. Yeah. Cool yeah. people. It's Alex. And he wrote back and I thought, This is hardly possible. This guy is in Australia. I'm in Austria. I was in the garden doing something with the trees and posting with this guy in Australia. So I was, and he, he said, just send me the, the email address and you are invited into our Slack group. And this was the beginning. And this was also, now I got a little bit deeper into watches. I have to make uh Up to 55, which is where I stopped because I'm not there yet, although, uh, <laughs> although I feel it. Um, fifth wrist uh, and the community, as, as Raman said, the pandemic, the community. And I have to say that uh, like lots of people, the, the global community that we're in, just kept me sane, really, through, uh, mm. through the pandemic. And I got, got more and more into, um, I wouldn't say watchmaking, because I don't consider myself a watchmaker, watch tinkering, advanced <laughs> tinkering, maybe. Um, <laughs> 
so yeah, which I, I still do. I spend most evenings pulling watches apart and putting them back together, and sometimes they even still work, which is always a bit. <laughs> so 55 uh, plus. Um, yeah, fifth wrist. I found fifth wrist as well. I found it actually through the website. I think I found them through Instagram, but before I listened to podcasts, before I contacted Alex, I, I found the, 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 the page, the, the, the web page, and I thought that's a great idea um, to write about your own watch, what you really think. Um, I like writing. That doesn't mean that I'm good, but I like to do it. Like many other things I like to do, but I'm not good in. Ask my wife. Um, <laughs> not, not, not what you think. Uh, I was referring to, I don't know, cooking or something. Um, and yeah, I wrote a couple of reviews and uh, yeah, then it all took off. Mm -hmm. 55 plus, I was finally quitting the job and also quitting the alcohol. Uh, and thus... I think getting my life back. It is really crazy. It is. I have the best time of my life now. All this stressful work is gone. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, it works. You know, it works. I, my wife and I, we are making some trainings for companies, have a little bit of income. We do not need much money. Uh, living in an old farmhouse that we renovated in the countryside. COVID, yes, COVID happened, but we didn't we didn't notice it really because uh, around us there is nobody anyway. Mm. You know, <laughs> nobody to meet, no restaurants, mm. no no. You know, uh, so yeah, and I'm I'm turning sixty soon. Klausi also. Klausi will be one year sooner. <laughs> don't we reveal will, that we will see we will see uh, how it goes well my uh my 55 plus um i'm planning um at the moment but i will be enjoying uh my world record lotto win um, <laughs> <laughs> good idea good idea yeah 287 million euros um oh. i'm going to win i think next week um mm -hmm. yeah and uh and i'm obviously going to donate most of that to roman as a as a freeman of the city of london he deserves my patronage Beautiful. What, what is <laughs> thank that? you what is that the freeman of a city of london it sounds like an old like an old uh title yeah that you are uh, yes. very old very old and how do so... you get that you know, don't you have to to be a londoner since 13 generations or something no so the way so the way that came about so a couple of years ago back in 2019 um i was invited to join the worshipful company of clockmakers which is a livery company which is a very british english thing of saying it's like a trade guild mm -hmm. that was established back in 1631 by royal decree of charles king charles the something First, forgive me. I'm I'm very much in Australia. I would be what we call a Republican rather than a monarchist. So my brain <laughs> refuses to remember the royal numberings. Uh, don't tell the company that, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. But um, yes, yeah, so I was invited to join. So the Worship Company of Clockmakers was established uh, back in 1631 to uh, so for for clockmakers who wanted to tr trade in London. So this was 
a way to ensure that people who sold clocks, well, this was clocks at the time, or timekeepers in London, they were sold, the the, the wares were of high high quality. Mm. So you didn't have, you know, QC wasn't existing. So if you wanted to buy a clock and you went to a clockmaker, you wanted to make sure that that clockmaker knew what they were doing. Um, so it was made based on the apprentice system. So they had masters and you would serve your apprenticeship under a master. And when you were good enough, you were accepted into this livery company. So you became a liveryman of the company of clockmakers, which allowed you to trade in London uh, back mm-hmm. in when that actually mattered. Um, so this was in 2019. I was hugely honoured. Um, the company sort of, you know, does a lot of ceremonial things, but they they do invest some uh, money into the training of watchmakers. Even now, you know, there's the George Daniels Trust. Um, they're really there to kind of promote watchmaking, clockmaking uh, as thing. And yeah, I was hugely honoured to join. Obviously, a bit surreal joining from you know a, a, as a Soviet boy living in Australia, joining a livery company in London, which was very surreal, but wonderful, like really, really, really exciting. And then this year, I was very honoured. They offered to in to they've offered me to join the livery of the of the company, which is sort of the next level up in terms of membership. Okay. Now, to be a liveryman of the company, you have to be a free free citizen of London. This is this is how the freedom of the city of London came about. So that came about as I think that's been going since twelve something, twelve eighty seven or something. Don't quote me exactly on the year, but equally that. And when you were a freeman of the city of London, the city of London is different to the city of London, obviously because it's very English. They sound the same, but one is capital C, one is small c. So the city with a capital C is essentially the the financial and business center around sort of St Paul's cathedrals about a, a mile it's known as a, or something it's like known that. as a square mile yeah square oh, mile okay. that's right so um yeah so so to to become a free freeman like of the city of london you know, you have to be kind of put forward by one of the livery companies most commonly. You can be asked by the city if you were, you know, Ian McKellen or Morgan Freeman or Luciana Pavarotti, who are obviously all personal <laughs> friends of mine now, uh, yeah. except for Luciano, may he rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so long story short, um, yeah, I got invited to, I became the freeman of the city of London, which you know, is very ceremonial now, but in the past allowed you to trade in the city. Uh, you know, you could carry your sword un- unsheathed. Uh, that's not a euphemism, by the way, um, in mm-hmm. the city of London. Um, you could take your sheep across London Bridge without paying the toll. Um, so that was good for tax purposes. If anyone needs sheep that need to be transported, let me know. We can save mm-hmm. on some tolls. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was kind of the idea. So, yeah, so that's sounds very Ooh. arcane, is very arcane, but... yeah. I mean, to me, I, I believe in institutions, and I'm very passionate. Particularly, uh, sorry, I believe in institutions that support education, that support horology, support watchmaking. Um, I'm yeah, very hugely honoured to be part of that. Um, yeah, and as 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 odd as that sounds, I'm I'm yeah happy to be there, <laughs> waving the flag from across the ocean. This leads me to a question I I have prepared: Is how do you find all your guests and your special guests? How do you persuade them to be on the show? Well, I use. I use Pippi's style, you know, I chase girls, girls, girls. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> in the horological field, you know, that's getting relatively hard to find. We, we are getting some female guests. I'm very happy and very proud of that because I know that's been a thing that I understand how male-dominated the guest lists have been. So, so I'm very 
very proud to say, very happy to say we've got some girls. But essentially, one of the ways Anthony and Alex talked me into having into into doing a podcast was essentially I, I was a show, I was a guest. Uh, Anthony and I, Anthony recorded a show, like a long show with me. It was thing was split into two episodes. And then we cut, when I was a guest, he was sort of talking to me about me, which is, you know, I'm obviously very uncomfortable about because of the whole witness protection program and stuff. But, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we were talking and he just said, well, what, what are you into? And I remember having this conversation with Alex and I said, well, I, you know, I've managed to save myself now a lot of time by not paying attention to 95% of the watch industry. Um, so that saves you like a huge amount of time. I've discovered that as I got okay. better in, as I got into watchmaking, there's just so much guff and rubbish that gets wafted across the collectors. And so I've managed to tune a lot of that out. So what interests me, the people who do stuff, whether it's write books, um, write articles, research stuff, make stuff, I want to talk to them. And the way I find guests is I essentially just either people suggest guests to me, say, hey, you should really, this this guy's really cool, you should talk to him or this girl is really cool, they do stuff. Or I just find people and I reach out and say, hey, really like what you do. I'm really interested in what you're doing. Um, I run this podcast, you know, we, we have a show. We'd love to have you as a guest and talk to you about you. I think one of the things Fifth Threes have done really well, and that's across all episodes, is we we don't we we provide a platform for our guests to come out in the best light you know we mm-hmm. have no angle at least i when i approach you it's not about ego it's not about me it's very much about the guests and yeah. i'm genuinely curious about why and how and what people do and i think that kind of translates so we don't you know we don't need to entice people we've never had a guest leave unhappy we've never mm-hmm. had a guest ask us to pull an episode down we also don't give our guests editorial control at the end. If people didn't realize that as our listeners, you know, we record an episode. What I usually say to people before we, every guest who comes on the show, I sort of say two things. I say, you know, swearing is optional. It's encouraged, but it's not mandatory. So, you know, it's very much optional. Um, and secondly, I say at the end of the recording, when, it, when, we, when we hit stop, if you've said something you wish you hadn't said, let me know and I will cut that out. We keep it for our blackmail and blooper reel. Um, <laughs> um, so if you, you know, if you want, if you wish you hadn't said something, let me know. I can, I can pull it out. You know, I'm, we're not here to, there are no gotcha moments. We're not here to embarrass you, but I will release this conversation. I will edit all the awkward pauses and sneezes and coughs and somebody's doorbell rings. I'll edit that out, but otherwise you'll go out as a real conversation. And I think that's kind of, that's resonated well with the audience. I think mm-hmm. they kind of feel it's an it's an authentic conversation where we are gen, genuinely interested. Well, I, I am, and I know everyone who hosts you. We are genuinely interested in what our guests have to say. You know, we're not just mm-hmm. talking to them because it's a CEO of a brand and we have a commercial relationship, and they've just brought out a new watch that has I don't know insert a you know insert a superhero person above a tourbillon and you know we just have to have you on because you know you you've got watches to sell so we, we don't do that we well at least right. i don't do that i have no interest in that um mm-hmm. but the people i want to talk to are the people who i genuinely want their voice and their story told to more people because i think if i find this interesting I'm sure there'll be at least one other person, you know, hi, mum, you know, mum, so she'll find it interesting. And if there's more than one, that's even better. But, you know, let's set our, you know, let's set our aims low. So it's an that's inter- kind of the idea. It's interesting, Roman, because you made us all sign a, a six-page contract 
giving you entire editorial control over this episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But but you guys, you know, you guys are not the people, you know, I was talking about people I like and want to talk to. This is contractual. <laughs> you know, we have to talk to, you know, this is part of our four episode deal that we've signed. You know, with, and we, have, with, we have to spend the last 20 Amazon. minutes. We have to spend the last 20 minutes talking about your new book. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. it's my it's my it's a bestseller because it's self-help diet and metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> I figured all of those will sell really well. There's the three popular topics, um, weight loss, uh, weight loss, cooking, um, self-help and metaverse. Metaverse. And, Aust- and Austrian catalogues from the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> That's very niche. That's Long right. gone, yeah. long gone. Good um, times. On, on a gone. side note, which has nothing to do with watches, which has nothing to do with the podcast at all. But I recently wanted to know who invented like the Amazon thing. Um, and it was invented by mail orders, by catalogs. And the mm-hmm. oldest catalog, which was mailed out to customers, is a company which still exists, is the designer furniture manufacturer Tonet. And this happens oh. to be an Austrian company. Yeah. And oh, they the chairs, had, the chairs. The chairs, yeah. And they had the first catalog they mailed out in the 19th century. Forgot about the uh, uh, the exact time to customers and where you could order your whatever they did at that time uh, chairs or I, oh, I forgot mm. um, and you could order them mm. by mail and they were shipped by the carriage or by means of whatever existed at that time mm-hmm. um, but it's an Austrian invention kind of <laughs> yeah they never built a spaceship no <laughs> <laughs> not yet yeah yeah it's, it's interesting I mean I know I mean the catalogs had their kind of those that mail order catalogs had their sort of heyday sort of in the US you know they had that Sears catalog mm-hmm. that came and there's another company I can't quite remember uh, there was the Sears company and I'm sure our American friends are screaming but yeah there was two that were really going you know back to back so but i still remember you know i still remember catalogs I'm, I'm not that old but you know when we came to australia there were some businesses who did robust sales on those sort of mail catalogs mm-hmm. um yeah younger listeners won't know them but but we remember them whether <laughs> they had lingerie sections or not well-thumbed lingerie sections or not <laughs> You know, we, we on the countryside, we still have catalogs. Uh, for all the farmers, they have catalogs about, you know, these machines that, that mm. they use in the, in the, on the fields, the tractors mm. and what, what else. Yeah. I don't mm. want to see farmers in lingerie. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sure there there's a, a sub. But I'm sure there is a sub Absolutely, there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zinn actually still produces printed catalog books, mm-hmm. real hardcover books kind of a four size roughly um which you can order and get instead of only the website you get a printed book yeah and and i've got to say once again not to go on a rant to companies if they if they're listening that really helped to stoke my interest in watches was Mm -hmm. being able to you know go on websites and order catalogs that came as books you know like the Lang and Zona catalog I still have that I ordered when I was just getting into watches. You know, the watches were beyond dream mm-hmm. of mine to ever own, but the books were unbelievable. You know, the Jeje mm-hmm. Lecoult catalogs, the IWC catalogs came as hardbound books, yeah. you know, and they, as a young person getting into watches, they hugely helped my interest. I'm sure there's, yeah. you know, I'm conditioned now to to like and appreciate those brands because I could interact with the catalog. Yeah. I don't get the same feeling from a digital website 
up yeah. immersive experience. Mm. Maybe until when the metaverse comes and we can uh, get maybe. It, uh, virtual. But I think you, you, you're missing the haptic, haptic, haptic mm. thing yeah, yeah. And, and, and the smell and also the smell yeah. and the quality of the paper and of the print. Exactly. Yeah, you know? 100%. This 100%. Is, I think we got to the root of it. I think many years ago, Rolex refused to give Roman a book. Yes, <laughs> yes, <that's>, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, my local AD never hugged me. Um, that's the problem, you see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Quite a few of them still do, though. I, I walked around, um, there's, there's, a, there's a posh part of London um, that, that's got many watch dealers, uh, New Bond Street and uh, Oxford mm-hmm. Street and Regent Street and all around there. And I had a, I had a wander around. There's, there's some fantastic old vintage dealers there as well. But I had a wander around a, on a rainy afternoon and uh, going into some of the shops. And yeah, to be fair, the people in a lot of the people working in those shops didn't seem to know an awful lot about watches and horology. They were, you know, shop assistants, mm. if for want of a better word. Um, mm. But that some of them do have nice big fat printed on very good quality paper books, and I, I've got some of those. And you know, and it, it's brilliant. You, it makes you, it makes me certainly much more likely to buy a watch because you you sit there thumbing through the books and your mind wanders and you you start. Mm. You know, and you click on a website, it's just there, there, and then it's gone, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there is that sort of counterbalance. Uh, I would imagine over the next few years, a lot of the companies will phase that out, both for cost cutting reasons um, and they will claim for environmental reasons as well. And you know, there is that, you know, they're printed and they do age very quickly, and, you know, because it's an annual review. Um, a lot of the watch, um, auction houses will stop printing or have stopped printing out catalogs. I know Philips, I remember I listened to a podcast with Oral Barks um, where he was saying, you know, yes, they still print them, but they're not sure for how long. And some Mm. of the other companies have have stopped. I'm I'm, I'm sort of actually okay if the auction houses stop selling catalogs, um, but make them available in perpetuity in the digital format. Because ultimately you actually want searchability in a a sales listing, right? You you know, you actually want to go, if there's a listing of all PDFs and you can search them all, that's kind of more ideal. But I do like that tactile feel of it. The environmental impact is important. So I think if they could print them to order or something, you know, maybe that's the way to go. They don't have to be available instantly. But I think we will miss the era of of printed catalogs when we don't have them. And maybe just we're or just old farks um, who just, you know, we're just old fogies who just bedded to paper. But I, I just think the digital experience is not as good. It, it really isn't. Who knows? Who knows, that it, who knows that the story goes? I, I read, I think yesterday or two, two days ago, something about NFTs, non-fungible mm. oh, tokens, oh, yeah. where you yeah. buy just the bits and bytes, the picture of a of a watch, and you well, you, you use the, the, this picture in the metaverse, and then you have the the NFT version of a watch, which is expensive maybe, <laughs> and you have your avatar, and you put it on your avatar, and you hang out in the metaverse with all your friends, uh, avatar <laughs> friends, and you're showing off the, the that really that's yeah yeah that's, no, that's but not I, I think something that's I'm so making stupid. up because it, this is. A possibility that that it comes to that, you know. Should we should we let our children make that podcast about those? Because yeah, exactly. I, I think that's beyond all of us. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. But absolutely. speaking of print, printed things, I mean, right? I I wouldn't particularly go online and spend ages looking at things that 
So th- this is... Um, oh, I love those. Again. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's an old Sotheby's catalogue. This one's from 1983 that I just stumbled across. And, <laughs> you know, you just sit there and flick through it and, and find pictures that catch your eye and, and start looking at it or whatever. Mm. And, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't do that on online. I'm, I'm not going to go looking at 1983 catalogues online. So there's something about, you know, something about... And it's probably the collector gene, isn't it? Something about having something you can pick up and hold and flick through at random and stuff which is uh why my how why my wife wants me to move to a different house with all my stuff I think. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you buy magazines think... do you buy magazines all these um printed magazines you, I... used to many years ago um but uh, yeah i mean i get national geographic now um uh, because oh, it still has pictures of nude women in it. Uh, well, that's, it's 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 a Murdoch publication now, yeah. and I think the, <laughs> since they closed down the Sun, he did buy the National Geographic just so he could have a magazine where he could still show uh, page six. That's or not Murdoch, is it? Is it Murdoch? Pretty sure. Pretty sure Murdoch. All right, I'll, be, I'll be cancelling that subscription then. <laughs> right. yeah. You might have to go back to the Austrian um, yeah. <laughs> lingerie catalog. But, I, mean, um, old, I used old, to subscribe to magazines old, as well. Yeah, yeah. old auction catalogs and and things are, are fantastic you know you you go through and the thing is as well i found a lot of the old auction catalogs i bought a few recently off ebay and you get them really cheap and then you go through and you find out one for the 1990s and you go online and you can find out the sale prices you know, <laughs> yeah absolutely amazing. yeah yeah, it's, yeah it's really interesting yeah and look i mean i a big part of how I got into watches was very much through books. And we talked about history and stuff, but even when I started getting into watches itself, I couldn't afford the watches, but I could afford books about those watches. So I could buy a catalog or I could buy a Mm -hmm. book about, I don't know, the Zezé Lecoult by Zaf Basher or whoever it was, you know, it, it helped, it helped to build that bridge for me to actually then go and spend money on a watch because I felt I've educated myself, invested into this thing through books and magazines you know i used to subscribe to um mm-hmm. i think it was iw magazine and watch time magazine and you know the shipping was outrageous you get them shipped to australia you know and and they, you could buy them in the news agents um in a really weird kind of doll collecting model trains and crocheting and other sort of knitting sections it was always really weird seeing whoever went to that section of the news agent it was always like me and, you know, a couple of 80-year-old ladies who were looking at crochet magazines and kind of the local pedophile looking at model trains uh, or something. Um, so, but, you know, but it was that experience of very excited to find a, every month you'd get a thing and you'd eagerly flick through because you'd want to know, you know. And, mm-hmm. yes, the websites and Hadinkian blogs have kind of replaced a lot of that but that's content. I get, a, I get a magazine called Watch Around, and this is, uh, it's only available in German and French. And it's a it's a newspaper style. It's not a glossy magazine. It's more right. kind of newspaper style, um, not very big. Um, but it, uh, the, you get them online. You get a code mm. online if you buy it, and you get a paper version. Right. And you get the the mail first. The new magazine is online, and I never open it sure. because mm-hmm. I wait for the the printed one where I can sit yeah. down and flip through the pages and look at the pictures. And I'm not even a perfect print quality because it's a newspaper style um mm. but it's still better than than looking at your laptop yeah, yeah. well in, in in the pandemic i mean um as well as discovering you know fifth wrist and the, and the community and and you know getting more involved a couple of things i found was the uh antiquarian horological society mm. which yeah, i joined amazing. and the uh the bhi so i get the horological journal 
every month now and the AHS magazine once a quarter. And they're fantastic. I mean, you know, the British Horological um, uh, magazine is fantastic, but because they wrote about Oxen Junior recently. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and we've Phil actually the Oxen sent bit. me. Sorry? I said, we've ticked the Oxen <laughs> Junior. We've done tick that. Good. <laughs> exactly, <yeah. laughs> and Phil sent me that magazine. So it's uh, not yet, but it will get into my uh, Hall of Fame um, of, of uh, printed horological stuff. Um, it's not there yet because I have to read it completely before before it goes there. Yeah, and you it's can really, update the really Wikipedia cool. page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting when I when I reflect on my own on my own journey regarding uh, media. It's because I I moved so often from from one flat to another that I wanted to get rid of all all physical things. So I sure. I. I all my CDs, all my books, I gave away and I had Spotify and I have Readly or I have Spotify, I have Readly, I had the Kindle and sure. all books I wanted to read are just uh, uh, fiction, fiction books mm. I had on my Kindle. And it's, it's now that I come back in reading books because we settled down now in this big, yes. big, big house and I don't have to worry anymore to transport it to sure. somewhere <laughs> and sure. it's it's such an such a difference to read in a real book than to read uh online or even yes. instagram is completely shallow everything mm. you, right it's it's you even can't compare it you you have the pictures everybody shows you what watch you have what's my new watch uh but it's not deep information, you know. And I mm. think you have you have have to sit down with a book, read for one or two hours as long as you want. That's completely different than you than if you w watch the screen, you know. Yes, mm. agreed. Mm. But again, anyway. again, I'm not sure whether our kids would would share the same opinion. As, and as That's interesting. That will yeah. be interesting. You know, I what do you know what was I've seen a, a YouTube video. You, there was a baby sitting on the floor and there was a magazine, a printed magazine beneath the baby. And the baby took the two fingers and <laughs> made this movement on the magazine. Yeah. And it couldn't, it didn't yeah. get why the picture doesn't. <laughs> Enlarge, yeah. 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 So this is a new generation, you know. Uh, and actually, the, 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 our independence, where, where we are talking most time about it, they always... Um, at least I don't know any independent who has got printed catalogs. They are the big ones. I mean, Sin is independent. Harpring has a printed catalog? Yes. Okay. It has a magazine where you get informed what are the newest. They, they bring new models in a smaller case, a little bit smaller case. Okay. They're new, interesting models. That's interesting. So we tick the Harpring box as well. <laughs> Not only in the Oxen Junior box. The, the segue I wanted to make is I wanted to bring us back to independent watch brands and back to Roman. This was Macedonian. When you, Roman, when you look at the market of independent watch brands, we, we always say that's better than, than the big brands, than Rolex, etc. Rolex being an independent kind mm. of, like Ulysses Nadin sure. and, and Gérard sure. Perregaux is now an independent as well, which I think it's good. Do you think everything is jolly fine there or do you think um, 
there is room for improvement there as well. So it's it's interesting, and I've been reflecting on it recently. Um, I think independent, independent in whatever way you classify, just the word independent is a little bit like the like the word metaverse uh, <laughs> at the moment. It's very hot, so everybody wants to get the word independent into their thing somewhere. We have independent spirit. We're independently we're independently owned by a big conglomerate. You know, you just need to have an independent in there somewhere. So I, I think, and this is a, you know, ill-informed personal opinion. I worry about the number of new independent brands that are being started now that are essentially just there to fleece the unwear, you know, new buyers uh, just by saying we're independent, we, we, we've kind of we've seen this before. You know, just before the financial crisis, uh, about two thousand six to two thousand eight, you know, there the, was new brands kept popping up every five minutes, and they lasted just about as long. You know, but there was tons of new new brands. We see, and I'm kind of starting to get a little bit of a whiff of that. Um, they kind of, you know, with Kickstarter, micro brands more expensive brands, even very expensive brands, there is almost like there is too many now. And I think the trick, at least I try to do is I try to get to the person behind the brand because I want to get a feel, are you in it for the love of the craft or because you want some, you have something to say that you want to say in your own field? Or are you really doing that because you see it as a, it's a business opportunity to look, I'll, I'll make something that will mm. look like something else, but cheaper. I will sell, you know, a hundred units or I'll take deposits for a hundred units and I'll never make a hundred units, but I'll just do a quick cash grab. So, yeah. So I think although independence, the landscape is much better now, there's a lot more attention given to them. There's a lot more respect given to the independent brands. I think it's a real mixed bag now. So if anything, a consumer or a new collector should be really wary. Just because a brand is independent doesn't automatically make it good, let alone better than an established brand. So that's mm -hmm. kind of my, my thought. And I don't know what you guys think about that, um, but that's kind of my hot take on that. As you just said, if some some new Kickstarter brands just want to make the same thing but cheaper, which is good, I'm nothing against it. But it's, um, and I think that's the interesting thing of what you said. It's the matter of why are you doing it? Do you want to say something to the community, or do you just want to make money and do the same but cheaper? Um, because you think you can do it and it will bring you money. Nothing against mm. money. Everybody has to earn money. Even the small independent guy who just works alone uh, has to earn money to, to be able to produce something new. But if it's, sure. if it's the main thing, if money is the main driver and not the message or however you call it, um, that's, then it's not my cup of tea. I absolutely agree. Mm. And I think some of the uh, independents almost do it for the love of the craft to see how far they can push themselves and what they, what they can achieve. And you can see that in the, the, the amazing quality that they produce. Uh, but, but there are other ones. And, and, you know, there is a Venn diagram that, with a big overlap, I'm sure, where they do monetize it quite well. And as I said, often I have nothing against people making money. Um, oh, sure. Where, where you know, so, some of the people, some of the, the older independents, if you like, are, you know, pretty damn wealthy these days. You know, they, they've, uh, they produce amazing 
items that I could never afford in a in a hundred years and and make lots of money selling them. So mm-hmm. more power mm-hmm. to their elbow. Yeah. Yeah. So so I think I mean I have no issue with I mean, A, I want skilled people who do mm-hmm. stuff to make money. Of course, you, who who can possibly be against that? Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. And even in terms of independent, that independence is actually a terrible world. You know, a word rather. You know, mm-hmm. I'd say artisanal in whatever sense. Make I, I don't really care whether it's a novel movement or bought in movement. They make the case. Somebody else makes the case. If it's interesting and it's transparent about what they're making, why they're making what they're charging, if the charging and if the cost makes sense to the product, I'm all for it. That's fine. Where I have a real issue is where, let's say, a new brand or a new maker pops up and they start making claims about, oh, we are the first to do this, mm-hmm. invented by us, mm-hmm. you know, revolutionary, innovative. And you kind of go, well, hang on a second. And, and, you know, and people, less informed consumers buy into that, which then causes media watch media that do paid content to mm-hmm. essentially repeat the same and perpetuate that ill-informed nonsense mm-hmm. which then people un- who don't know whether they're younger collectors or collectors who knew to just buy into oh wow this is the first time that's ever been done and you go well actually you know what that's been <laughs> done 10 10 times before and you know you know that person who's behind this brand you know, if you look at their track record, they've had seven different failed companies that they never produced a watch, but they've taken deposits every time along the way. That kind of, that's the thing that makes me really unhappy because, you know, I want, I want everyone who gets into the watch industry, who gets into, who buys a watch at whatever price bracket to have a good experience. Cause I think it's, that's the only way you're going to let this industry survive and thrive is not by, giving people a bad experience because you really only burn your consumers once, you know, with watches because they're such a unnecessary product, you know, it's not like, you know, if you have a terrible experience, whether it's at, at authorized dealer for a Rolex watch or it's a, you put deposit down for an independent well, artisanally produced watch that company dissolves before they, they take your deposit <laughs> and go that consumers just the goes, you know what, this world of watches, not for me. I'll just spend my money on high cost audio equipment or golf or buy whatever yeah. it is, you know, like you just go, maybe I'll get into tailor-made suits or something, you know, where I'll get treated nicer for spending my money on a non-essential item. Uh, yeah. And I'm sort of, you know, I want the industry to thrive, mm-hmm. but I also don't want, I want to get rid of the tidal wave of bullshit that we're kind of swimming. Do, you, do, you, do you have a, do you have a guess? for the next five, five, seven or 10 years concerning watches, how the journey goes on. I mean, like you said, it's an unnecessary object because we all have, have our mobile phones and we can tell the time with that. Mm. So what the watch itself is, the functionality is not necessary anymore. And it always mm. reminds me like painting in former days, portray painting where you mm. try to portray the person as exact and naturalistic as it gets because maybe some emperor sure. wanted to yeah. marry somebody and he wanted to have a picture of this person before he marries it yes <laughs> henry the henry yes, the eighth that's a, classic that's, that's a practical right. example and uh and suddenly they invented the photography or the mm. daguerreography mm. and all of a sudden, all the art of painting, of naturalistic painting becomes 
um, not necessary anymore. Sure. And, and, and painting had to develop into a form of art. Hmm. And, and I see the same in watches because you don't need the functionality. Quartz watches are the best watches what, what comes to precision. So now what, in, you know, so the watches should be a piece of art in the going, you know. But hmm. what do you think? What do you think? Because nobody, nobody buys a watch because of the functionality alone. So it, there has to be some artistic um, thing sure. that goes along. Sure. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, the, the example the example with art is exactly the, the right thing that I always think about. That's right. Is once photography came in, the actual purpose of a watch has stopped being from a precision time instrument to essentially decoration. Um, mm-hmm. So in my mind, there's, you know, for watches, there is two paths, you know, so you go, you either go the artistic path or you go the technical path. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I look at, if I think of somebody like Grubel for say, you know, they go, they, they, they have staked their ground. They want to make highly precise watches. That's and they want to take the mechanical precision to as good as it can be. So mm-hmm. they go down. Yes, it's decorated beautifully. That's a separate thing. But even if it was decorated a bit less, it would still be interesting because they do three tourbillons with particular axes. They all spin at different rate. You know, they're trying to solve a particular issue. You know, if we look at Roger Smith now, the stuff that he's doing with nano coating, micro coatings of components, reducing the strength of mm-hmm. the mainspring to reduce the torque to see the extend the service interval. That's mm-hmm. a, it's kind of solving a technical, that's, that's solving a technical issue, taking you to a new direction or a new escapement or whatever. So that's kind of the, that's the path of the companies that want to do something really create, so technically Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the beauty. Then you've got, you know, Kari Vutalainen makes spectacular things, really beautiful. Philippe Dufour, you know, the stuff that, if we take the, let's not talk about the sonor, the ground sonorie, because that was technical, simplicity and duality, you know, simplicity in particular, mm-hmm. pure beauty in how do I take this utilitarian object and make it as beautiful as I can be? So that's going down the beauty path. Where I, and there would always be room for both of those, you know, mm-hmm. the third branch of that would be innovative time display. You know, mm-hmm. so Uruvark will do something really interesting is they they sit there thinking about how can I, let's stay with time, but how can I display it in a different way, present it in a different way, make people engage with it in a different way. So there's always, there is innovation in that. I think there is always going to be room for that mm-hmm. across all price brackets. You know, not everyone's going to be able to obviously afford a Grubel 40, mm-hmm. not everyone's going to be able to afford an Uruvark, but you know, just because Urwerk exists, that allows other companies to do similar stuff, uh, like Zeric does the, mm-hmm. I, think, um, I can't remember the model name, but they've got like yeah. a rotating wandering mm-hmm. uh, Vanguard, I think the model. You know, there, there's companies that'll do it cheaper, less, but they'll kind of go along that path. Where I think the watch companies will struggle is companies who make kind of eh, watch that kind of doesn't, it's not beautiful, it's not innovative, but it's expensive, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I think of somebody like, I mean, I think it was a quote from Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain, the, the, um, the, cool. the travel writer and, and chef, where he said something, you know, and I think he heard it from maybe it was Eric Repair or somebody, another chef. He said, you know, people will always pay for quality. There will always be room for Hermes because mm-hmm. 
because there are many things, at least the way they used to be, you know, made beautifully by hand with loving craftsmen. It's expensive, but you will always find an audience. There will always be somebody who will say, yes, a handbag is, I don't know what, $20,000 because it's made by hand with love. So you're always going to have that. What you, there's not always going to be room for is Versace, you know, which is mass produced, but just marketed to death. Right. Mm-hmm. You just market it to be expensive, but if you actually get it, it's just rubbish, right? And once again, apologies to any Versace wearer or listener. I'm that's <laughs> that's not my quote. That's an Anthony Bourdain quote. He's dead now, so you could sue him, not me. Um, so, so I think there's always going to be room for interesting. There's always going to be room for beautiful. There's always going to be room for innovative at all price levels. What there'll be less room for is the boring and overpriced. And if mm-hmm. I, you know, and if I look at a lot of the companies, particularly companies in conglomerates, I would be worried for them. You know, I'm not worried about Roger Smith. Roger Smith will be fine, mm-hmm. thankfully, because he makes small numbers. There's always going to be enough collectors for him. Philippe Dufour and now Daniela Dufour. That's a whole other conversation. But you know, they'll always be busy at least mm-hmm. until well, because people will appreciate that it's made by hand, made with love. Mm-hmm. Will there always be a room for Bauman Mercier? I don't know. You know, will there always be a room for Gerard Perigo? Well, now they're independent, so let's hope so. But they should really look at what they're making and say, well, do we really need to make all these models that, let's face it, nobody really buys mm. between, you know, you know, they'll have models that sell really well, like the three-bridge Turbion, which is insane and amazing, you know, to do that. And they've got the Laureato, which they should promote and market while everyone's into integrated sports watches, right? The stuff in the middle with their dress watches, I don't know how well they sell. I'm not sure who they sell them to, right? So in theory, you can go, they can they can certainly exist. There's room for them, but they should think about what they make. In so marketing, pretty- we say, in marketing, we say the middle is dead. Yeah, yeah well, I think I think so. And it's a, it's a very crowded field. And I often think, I mean, I, I'm my line of work is not business or marketing. So I don't know how companies work. But in my head, I always think surely they can cut out a lot of the SKUs that don't sell, right? Which would then allow you to either market your products that do sell well or scale your production down, but still have the same profitability, but with less overheads mm. or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't understand how business works at all, but Swiss watch industry kind of drives me crazy. So predicting five years, I don't know. It's really hard. I mean, who could have predicted the caring group dumping yeah. So selling to management, UN and GP. Um, I mean, I, I like both of those brands. In theory, UN was one of the first brands I fell in love with through Ludwig Oxlin's work. You know, just if you look at early UN, you know, like the Freak, the Sonata, all those the are unbelievable watches, like amazing mm. watches. And if they made that and the Marine Collection, great. Mm. Cut out a lot of the guff in between, uh, which nobody realized. Yeah, so, so I hope. So I think in next five years, we'll have pruning of stuff mm-hmm. and hopefully the cream will rise and some things will hopefully be allowed to mm-hmm. just go with dignity, mm-hmm. you know, but that's, but that's think, just me. I think pruning always, always happens over time, doesn't it? it? It, you know, it's a natural force of the market and as, as um, uh, you know, and it happens more rapidly at some times than others. I mean, you know, people talk about the courts crisis or the courts revolution, some people call it, and, and an awful lot of watch brands died. But I think if you look at a lot of the watch brands that did die in the 70s, they were producing very boring, three-handed, 
you know, watches mm-hmm. that didn't do anything different, didn't have anything about them. And the ones that survived were the companies that were doing something better or more interesting. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think, Roman, that the, you know, the, the Apple Watch thing in the next 10 years will be another crisis strength revolution? I don't I mean I, I don't I don't think so. I mean if anything I think the Apple Watch thing will be a, a net positive for the watch for the horological crafts art as we like to think about it, because it will drive more people to put things on their wrist um, and go hey that's pretty cool but I don't really want to be monitored every 24 hours a day by this device or it's annoying. So I want to get this cool mechanical retro thing. So, I mean, I'm not too worried by, by Apple Watch. I've never owned one. I've never wanted to own one. I'm sure at some point my doctor will prescribe me one as a blood pressure monitoring device. Genuinely something. And I see it's a real potential in that medical field, Absolutely. you know, monitoring, you know, that, that so, so I'm sure we'll all get, We'll either get ankle bracelets from the court or, you know, or an Apple Watch from the, at some point. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say all of us, most of us. Uh, let's, let's give some of us a pass. Um, so, so, look, I'm not actually worried about it. I think some of the brands who are at the low, some of the watches, it's companies that make watches at a lower price point should yeah. really be worried. Or if they're not worried, they're already dead. You know, so we mentioned Fossil. You would worry if you're a Fossil. You know, if an Apple Watch costs $500 and you're a Fossil that makes a quartz watch and you sell it for $300, you know, the, I would argue the Apple Watch has much more value. It actually does a lot more and made a lot better than the some of the cheaper quartz watches. So you'd worry about that. But I don't worry about an interesting watch at any price, like, you know, an Oris, an intro Oris is great, great watch. I can talk to, you know, I'm very much great value in that. So, yeah, so I'm not too worried in that sort of sense. I think traditional horology will survive, but it also needs to, but traditional horology needs to be much better at engaging with their own consumers because nothing drives me crazy than, you know, walking into a AD of any brand and, for a young collector to be treated badly in a store. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, if nothing else kills the industry, it'll be that. It'll be ill-informed, apathetic selling staff who just treat their customers with disdain. That that style of selling luxury is no longer tolerated. I yeah. absolutely that, that, agree. That was the way you, yeah. That last part uh, of that podcast, we should cut out and, and uh uh, published separately, <laughs> send the audio file to everybody in the audio uh, in the in the um, watch industry. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I mean that drives me nuts. I mean, hearing stories, you know, you know, whenever an AD says, "Oh, I'm just sick of people ringing me about the Rolex watch," and you say, "Say, well, think about the alternative. The alternative is nobody calls because nobody cares. Then you are no longer required." So, you know, and, and my big thing was, you know, I'm a regular guy, you know, I'm not a trust fund baby. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a millionaire or and that's, you know, I'm a regular guy who's into watches and you go into stores and, you know, I don't feel welcome walking into a multi-brand AD. And I always think to myself, you know, if you're going to welcome anybody, it should be me because I don't buy Rolex, but I buy everything else for God's sake. You know, I'm, I'm the mug you want to sell crap to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or people tell me all the time, you know, I went in, they didn't crack a smile, you know, didn't say hello. They just, they, they assumed I wasn't going to buy anything. I didn't even get a thank you for coming. 
And I think to myself, no, what you want is you want the guy or girl who comes in and buys the cheapest watch you sell should come out of the shop feeling like a millionaire, right? Mm. Feeling made so special, being fawned over, because what you want is that person to then go, next time I get a promotion or next time I have a birthday, I'm going to go back to the store and buy a better watch. And then Absolutely. buy a better watch, mm-hmm. and then eventually you. I only have I only have the experience with one AD, which which just my AD. I bought three watches, I think there, um, and they are very good at that. I just mm. a year ago or so, I bought a cheap a cheap bracelet for men, which uh, where the proceeds went to charity. So I bought that right. uh, for a hundred euros, and I was treated like buying a, a Lange. So no problem about that. The the problem is I was there just two weeks ago looking at the new, uh, not new, but the, the Universal Genève, uh, Universal Genève, bullshit, you, uh, Ulysses Nader, um yeah. annual calendar with chronograph. And because the annual calendar is an excellent uh, construction <laughs> and I want, and I love it. And it's uh, actually compared to manufacture, manufacture, manufacture uh, chronographs. It's relatively affordable out of my mm-hmm. range but okay i wanted to see it and the 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 girl who who was responsible for me she didn't know anything about it mm-hmm. and even that was not the worst the worst was like oh it fits your your wrist very well um all that all that's very standard bullshit which i think they they yeah. shouldn't use anymore sure uh, they yeah. sh- maybe used in the 60s But, but not uh, not now. Oh. Close, closely, I, uh, what I always think is maybe this, these watch nerds like we are, maybe mm. we are so small in number. Probably. It is, it is more important to have there a good-looking saleswoman or man. Probably, yeah. Uh, than a knowledgeable salesperson. I don't know what I wish from the ADs. I don't visit them, actually. I was once at an AD buying a Rolex. Mm. And oh, uh, we've all been there. Yeah. And I had also a, a saleswoman, actually a girl, I would say she was in her 20s. She told me some things that I would have known better, I think. Oh. But mm. okay, for me, it was this expensive surroundings in the AD and okay I wasn't very impressed but I thought I have to go there to buy this watch sure yeah, yeah. sure. but the next time I bought more expensive watches the ring I bought from uh, the I bought from from the shop itself from the workshop of the rings. Uh, in in Carinthia and the Kudoke I bought by Chrono 24 and this was the experience was horrible because the postman the delivery guy he just threw the, the package <laughs> in front of the door and I wow. I, I found oh, out wow. hours later that the, the little box was lying there if it was raining you know everything would have been wet yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was it, this is also a horrible experience and how should you buy then this watch How should you buy? Yes, you can go to the Kudoke guy, to Stefan Kudoke, say, I want a watch. And he tells you, okay, in one year, I, I have made your watch. Mm. Mm. Or, you, or you buy it secondhand. Yeah. So, and it's also the same thing with selling the watch. I think it's, it's not an easy thing to sell a watch privately, you know, no. at a certain price point. No. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, selling is a, I mean, both buying and like we could spend podcasts talking about it because I think we've all had both positive and mm. whatever the opposite of positive. I don't want to say negative because mm. this hobby is universally Realistic. positive. But <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it gets really trickier, you know, if you're selling, you know, watches that are quite unique or have a very shallow market for them, whether it's independent, you know, you've got to find, you've mm. got to know where your audience is because it's much harder to sell a, obscure watch through ebay or something you know you're just casting it to the world you've got to find mm. you know, your communities um, mm. but but you're right i mean the the thing i foresee in the future is you know a lot of brands are going into single single brand boutique you know single brand boutiques which i think is not the way to go because i would much rather go to a boutique that sells 20 brands and I want to have a look at it. I want a knowledgeable staff. Somebody like Bayer would be the, the classic example. You know, they established 150 years ago, whatever, but knowledgeable staff, passionate about what they do, have 20 brands they can show you and then you make an informed decision. I mean, I think if you go into a single brand boutique now, that only works well if you cons- if you assume your consumer knows they already want to buy an Amiga or a AP or something. Like essentially you're just taking their money. Right, right. Whereas if you actually want to educate the consumer, the best way to do it in a neutral multi-brand boutique where they'll give you the information, show you the watches, allow you to, you know, answer your questions, make you welcome, allow you to create your own impression of the watch, and then the shepherd pro- you towards the credit card. I get that the it's problem a, is that, the problem is, Roman, that the, the brand doesn't want you to select between different brands. They want you to be fixed to your brand. You have a Breitling, you buy another Breitling for your wife because you are used to go to the Breitling boutique. Interestingly enough, the the um, new and old CEO from Ulysses Nadar just recently said that he will not go the, the, brand, uh, the brand boutique route, that he will insist on selling not, only, uh, not online, not through the boutique, but through classical multi-brand sure. retailers, oh, okay. which I found very interesting. But I think half some some of the problem is is brands want you to consider it an honor to be allowed to buy from them. <laughs> that you should, you know, you should write your children's names down. It's like, you know, in England, <laughs> it's like trying to get into Eton. You know, you have to put your child's name down almost on the day of conception uh, <laughs> to try and get them on the waiting list and then get references from six, you know, good and stout people. Um uh, and I, th- I think a lot of the, the big ADs want you to go down that route as well. I mean, it's, you know. That's nonsense. That's just yeah. pure nonsense. Yeah. But we Austrians, we Austrians are used to that behavior. All our, <laughs> all our waiters in our coffee houses are that way, you know. That's you true. Can, you can be happy if they serve you a coffee, really. That's it's, the Austrian way. That's your culture. That's the Austrian way. Like, if, if it's not like that it. way in a, in a coffee house in Vienna, then I'm disappointed. Um, <laughs> Möchtest du tiefe, authentische Einblicke in die Welt der Horologie? Dann nichts wie rüber zu www.fifthwrist.com. This was Austrian German. Talking about Vienna, no, this is not a segue. This is kind of uh, the opposite. I wanted to go to our, directly to our next uh, subject. Yes. <laughs> yeah, beautifully done. Beautiful, beautiful segue. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Looking at the time, um, we were talking about watches, but I want to break the record about uh, from Robin, the regulator, about not talking to watches for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, Roman, 
you come from Russia or, or, or Ukraine? Yes. Ukraine, yeah, Ukraine. Ukraine. Soon um, to be ex-country, yeah. So you speak Russian, Ukrainian and yep. English, obviously. Yes, well, um, in varying levels of competence, yes. <laughs> yeah. In that order, actually, Russian, Ukrainian, and then, you know, okay. I struggle, I struggle, speak. <laughs> Uh, But yes, sorry, you were to, saying. To me, to is there, me, is there, is there a big no... difference between Ukrainian and Russian? Uh, so it's not a huge difference. So both sides can understand each other. So okay. it's like... Russian is, yeah, Ukrainian is very close to Polish. Um, mm -hmm. Russian is more closer to kind of Slave, Slave, you know, Slovenian, mm -hmm. Serbian, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, if, if both sides speak slowly and wave their hands a lot like they do mm -hmm. and I do, We make each other understand. Okay, so it's like so it's like Austrian, Austrians and Germans. German, yeah. Or Swiss I think maybe, something, yeah. yeah. I think That's Russians say Russians say this is our country now, and the and everyone else goes, yeah, okay, we surrender. <laughs> Just about exactly, yes. You, you, the Russians say that's right. You go. Russian citizen or Ukrainian citizens? They go, yeah, Russian citizen. Um, oh, yeah. look, it's let, let's not go down that path. But, no, not, know, not, not politics. What I want to We're recording this. We should say we're recording this on you know 7th of February 2022. While Ukraine is still a country, so I'm not sure when people are listening to it, but fingers crossed, it still is. Whenever you listen to this episode, Absol but yeah, sorry, go on. Absolutely, or, or or the 6th of February if you're in Europe. <laughs> Oh God! It could change by the seventh in Europe. God, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Uh, but yes, now we wish, we, we hope for peace, and we hope that borders stay as they yeah, stay. Absolutely. So, but anyway, absolutely. sorry, Klaus, you go. I wanted to ask you to to segue to the subject of languages on 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 watches. What hmm. is your favorite language on watches? Uh, what I mean, what I mean is, when I went into watches, I always wanted to have the Universal Genève uh, full calendar. You all mm -hmm. know the, the, the chronograph mm -hmm. with full calendar. And I always wanted it with French on the on the date, because that's, I think, is the way it has to be. Um, what, what are you, if you look at your watches, do you want English text or if there is text on it, like a date or something? Inter yeah, look, it, it's interesting. Um, my ideal, I, I don't think of it as languages. I think of it as font. So my mm -hmm. ideal font on a watch dial is, the text should be the same color as the dial. So I don't want to see text at all. So yeah. I did, you know, my ideal thing is, you know, very small print in matching color to the <laughs> dial. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, I mean, I, I, what I actually, what I do like is I want my language to be specific and correct for the watch that I'm wearing. So right. if I'm wearing a watch that's made in Russia, like my um, Calibrica Bauhaus watch, it's made in Russia, I wanted to say, if it has to say anything, if it has to say made in Russia, I want it said in, in Russian. Mm -hmm. And it is on that on that yeah. dial. So that kind of makes me happy because I think it's a bit jarring when you're wearing a, you know, yeah, if you're wearing a Swiss watch, but it has Arabic numbers on it mm -hmm. for no reason, like that, that jars with me. So I like as little text as possible on a dial. That's that's my personal preference. You know, I, I'm never going to buy like a seven-line um, Tudor Pelagos <laughs> LHD, you know, when you have to, you know, when the last line says, please turn over, and then you've got to flip the watch over <laughs> to finish the inscription. Sorry, uh, sorry you know, to I, I, again, but actually I was I was looking for the watch with the most lines. And for yes. me, if nobody else has something, for me, the winner is the Tudor Pelagos. Yes. Seven, yeah, yeah, seven that, yes. The, the mini novella, yeah, the Harry Potter and the, the the eighth one, Harry Potter and the Tudor Pelagos, the, the 800 page 
final installment that J.K. Rowling never got to write. Um, yeah, so 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 I want my words to match. So if I was wearing a French watch, let's say I was wearing a, a watch that Benoit was was talking about at a previous um, European game, the Peguenet. I'm mm. sure I'm pronouncing. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. So apologies, Benoit and the nation of France. Um, Peguenet, I think, but I'm, Peguine, I'm I think it was yeah. Peguenet Royale was the model, which is a beautiful, beautiful watch. You know, I really like that watch. Um, that has a calendar and a moon face, which is running vertically up yeah. uh, and down. Um, that that I've seen that in both. I don't own it, but I've seen it in both English calendar and French calendar. I would want French calendar on that. You know, and and I would learn the days of the week if I, you know, if I needed to work that out because I, because I think it's important when it gels. Having a Swiss watch with a Italian writing for no reason just does just does my head in. You know, if it was made for a particular purpose, maybe that's different. If it was made for the Italian, you know, if it was a Swiss watch made for the Italian Air Force, fine, put Italian writing on it. But if you're just doing it as a limited edition, um, yeah, that doesn't. Italians aren't known for their watchmaking prowess except for Panerai, which are only known for supplying watches to certain, you know, military uh, forces. Uh, but we don't need to talk about that. So so anyway, so that's me. So my favourite, I mean, having a watch with Made in Russia in Russian on the dial makes me very happy. Um, uh, so so I've got my Calibrica. I'm very happy with that. But other than that, you know, if it's correct for the watch, I'm happy. The less text, the better. So that's me. But right, good to hear I- what you guys think. I, I had a similar thing when I, I picked up, uh, I, I did a review of it on the Fifth Wrist website, which was, uh, uh, is it pronounced Luch? The, mm-hmm. Yeah, Luch. Yeah, Luch. 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 So I picked yeah. up uh, from someone I know offered me this watch and it was a, it was a, a one-hander, Russian one-hander, small thing for not a yeah. lot of money. So I said, oh, it looks interesting. Oh, yeah, so I bought it off him mm. and it arrived. And all the writing on it is in Cyrillic. Uh, so I had to use Google Translate to even find out what make it was. You know, it's just, right. there's there's nothing right. in there, and and that was it's fantastic. You know, sitting there trying to work out you know what mm. make this watch is, and then going, all oh, right, Luch, I, I don't know about those, and then looking up and finding out it was uh, Brezhnev's uh, preferred watch brand, apart from his <laughs> Rolex Datejust that he wore when no one was looking. <laughs> I want to see that poster. You know, you're not, you don't just get to own a Luch. You get to carry the <laughs> legacy of Comrade Brezhnev, yeah. um, proudly worn, you know, in the, yeah. Um, yeah, Luch is kind of Belarus, so it's Belarusian. So that's ah, kind okay. of the next country along. Yeah. So that's the right. where, you know, President Lukashenko is currently still yeah. in power. So, you know, what's yeah. we don't need to go to politics. Um, I've uh, Yeah, I've got a Luch, an art piece that both <laughs> Adam at Medium Watch and I, we bought uh, matching uh, art, you know, <laughs> yes, models. Yes, I remember it, yeah. Yeah, n- not expensive, but, yeah, fun, fun watch. Quite yeah. well made for, you know, for I don't know what Belarusian horological tradition is like, but it still works, you know. It's accurate two or three times mm-hmm. a week. So, yeah. that's, you know, you can't, <laughs> can't ask for more than that, you know. Anything beyond that is gravy, you know. I'm so, I'm so happy that we t- that we brought up that subject of languages because I now learned how the, how this watch is pronounced, not Luch, but Luch. Yeah, Luch. Luch is the German word for suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing with brand names is you got to be careful that you know you, exactly. you're not offensive, but you're also not overrepresenting. So I think they really market tested that very well. So you know what you're getting straight out of the box. Yeah. No, it's, no, like, so, so it's, like, it's like it's like Pachero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Going back Language. to uh, dates, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm known for uh, my my fondness of vintage Seikos. And um, although vintage Seikos are on the, um, you know, the, the text on the dials and the case back is, is in English, um, they do change out, they swap out the day wheels, uh, depending on the market uh, that they're selling in. Now, I've, I've, I'm aware of some of my head of about 11 languages wow. that, that they really? do. 本物の腕時計を見極めたい。そう思い出したらぜひfifthlist.comにアクセスください。This was Japanese. I have five, I think, uh, five wow. different five different language day wheels. Uh, but primarily they will be English and something. So right. that you can swap you can yes. swap them over um using a quick set. But yeah, I mean I I've got Seiko's that are obviously English. Uh, I've got them uh, in French day wheels. I've got the Roman day wheels, which is, you know, the I, 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 and then oh, that's cool. it's, it's just a big red square for Sunday. Really? Um, yeah. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I've got a couple like that. Uh, I've got one in Arabic, mm -hmm. uh, and I've got a fair few uh, where the day wheels in kanji. Uh, and right. That's, yes, that's I've my favourite. And it is strange because if the day wheel is in a... Um, well, it's called Arabic text, isn't it? Although it's not Arabic, it's um, it's not actually Arabic. It's Hindu or, or something. But it, yeah, uh, but if it's in you know the the alphabet that I understand, then I'll keep it on the English one. If it's an alphabet I don't understand, so if it's Arabic or you know if it's Cyrillic or you know kanji, um, then I'll swap to that because that's cool. But yeah, having yeah. it in having it in French or something is less cool. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I do. I love my kanji day wheels. They're fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we should while we're talking languages. I mean, it's not strictly language, but we should do a little bit of a hat tip to uh, Elaine Silberstein, uh, the great watch designer, because his date wheels. He's got faces on them, you know, and yes. the faces get sadder and sadder as the week as the week goes on. Uh, sorry, they start sad and they get happier yeah, as sorry. you get closer to the weekend. So, and then Sunday is unhappy again because you're about to, that always resonated with me. I never knew I had one of those. I never knew what date it was, but I always made me smile just looking. Guy, no, I know it's only Tuesday. <laughs> you know, no, so, there is a new so, one. There's a new one from him with the, with the same idea yeah well, that's right and yes. i so actually they, that, was yeah. quite not not quite close to buying it but um and it, this watch got a lot of hate and i really love that idea yeah. um he's, and he's if, enjoying a moment in the sun i'm really i'm really happy that he's getting the recognition because his designs were well advanced he was just, he's like 15 years too early in the in the early 90s you know he just mm. kind of came and went so it's good that he's doing collab collabs now and getting his moment in the sun which is really nice yeah yeah what i hate about languages on dials is when it when it's mixed when it says tachimetre 
and then master chronometer. Or oh yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that's Why? irritating. Why? Yeah, yeah, um, that's really irritating. Well, the other thing is, is moving away from languages uh, themselves, and I think Roman, uh, you preferred them as fonts, or what one of us did. Mm. I can't remember. Um, in terms of fonts, I mean, there's there's no marketing rule, Klaus, your your area, I believe, old marketing rule that if you put out an advert or put out a message, you you only use one font. Yeah, yeah. How many how many different fonts is it possible to get on one watch dial? Uh, I mean, uh, Grand Seiko. Grand Seiko has one. I found there are six line of text that I'm not talking about the numerals. Uh, yeah. Only the text on the dial. Six lines. Yeah. With five different fonts. Oh, good. <laughs> I was going to say I, I could come up with one with four on it. Uh, but well, presumably that's like five different floors of a building, designing each component and just not talking to each other. Right? Like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. Wednesday, what's due? We yeah. have to put the final design on a Thursday. On like Thursday, you know, Wednesday night, they're just 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 submit it. We Get the intern to, to do it. To... Yeah, it, but it's yeah, incredible, yeah. isn't it? I mean, you know, not only right. do you have different languages on the day, but you, oh, oh, sorry, on the on a watch dial, you'll have you'll have those different languages in different fonts, and it's but, just yeah, that's just. But Phil, do you think why why do you think is that? Because I mean, I think the design process of a watch is is not cheap. There mm. are, there are some people involved in that, and you might think that at the end. There is one person or more than one person is looking at the watch and and recognizing there are different fonts. So I think it's a it has to be a deliberate decision to let these different fonts on the dial. You don't Otherwise, think they're the ones that were signed off on a Friday afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but what is even more interesting is when the the spaces between the letters. Mm -hmm. are not are not regular you know there are some rules i know i don't know them but i know there are rules for example if you have the letter i then the space between uh beneath the i left and right is not so much than if you have another something mm. like that yeah mm. so they don't worry about that and the collectors they don't say that now this is a failure no, it is a more appreciate, appreciated, sure. higher valued. If, if it's watch. old and vintage. If it's old and vintage, it's it's special. And this is also true for this all these spider tiles. And I don't know what there what there is, everything. So for me, it tells me I'm in a brand that sells a million watches a year. I'm I'm one of the big herd. I'm mm. buying that. But yes. I would like to be special. I would like to be special. <laughs> and I have that watch where the designers made an error, a mistake. Mm. You know? So that is funny, I think. Otherwise, for me, it doesn't matter at all because as I, I anyway, I can't read anything that's <laughs> on the watch. Really nothing. <laughs> sure. That's that's the that's the thing that I, I enjoy the Seiko so much because the Saturday is blue and the Sunday is red. So yes. at least I can recognize if it's weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But there there are the, the different um sometimes the different fonts and the, the different spacings or is it called kerning between the letters? Mm -hmm. Um could be really Really useful in the vintage Seiko community, anyway, because um, it's one of one of the things that the people who make fake dials get wrong. Ah. So it's you know that you, you you go on eBay and look at Seiko Pogue, 
Yeah, I guarantee that, you know, at least a quarter of them and probably three quarters of them are, are fakes. You know, they're, they're mm. full of aftermarket parts, the Frankenstein watches and, uh, you know, they've got fake dials because there's some, there's some really, really good fake dials out there. And I wouldn't mind if they were identifiable easily, mm. but they're not. People are faking them. You know, they're not, they're not making them as replacement dials. They're making them as fake dials. Uh, mm. And the difference is a replacement one, you could, you know, there would be some telltale giveaway um, that you can easily look at. But, but sometimes, the, you know, just the difference between a, an A with a pointy top and a slightly flat top can, can mean all the difference between how much a, a watch is worth, you know, in, in terms of whether the dial's real or fake. Para una auténtica perspectiva dentro del mundo relojero, acércate a fifthwrist.com. This was Spanish. Do you have a, a Spanish date on your on one of your psychos when you said you have seven or how many different languages? Well, I was thinking about that right off the top of my head. I can think of five that I've got. I probably have got a Spanish or two. Because... Adam in the US head. in the US gang talks. I remember that Adam was talking. I don't know what the subject was, but he said there is no Spanish date. Yeah, there is. That Seiko definitely do Spanish day will. Don't know about date, but day uh, will. Of course, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of Seiko course, definitely, definitely do Spanish yeah. day wills. They're 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 quite common. I'm, I'm sure I probably have, um, but the the Spanish ones would be turned onto English because it's you know Western style alphabet. Mm -hmm. um, And I've got, you know, in my in my parts box, I've got dozens or hundreds of, of Seikos with, you know, days. But <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I must have some Spanish ones in there somewhere. Yeah. And, yeah, and you'd that. imagine, and you don't, oh, sorry, sorry, Klaus, you go. Go, go on. But no, I was just going to say, I'm sure there'll be other brands which will have Spanish dials, uh, Spanish dates, like the Cuervo and Sabrinos watch. That's the one I found. That's the only based. one yeah. I found. It must be. You, I'm sure they would have a Spanish yeah. Spanish date set. There are sure, thousands 100%. of Seikos. There are loads of Seikos with Spanish wheels. Right. Because, Spanish they, they, because, they, they, because they're, the thing is, is they're English-Spanish. They're not, they're not dedicated Spanish. Mm -hmm. You can yeah, switch sure. between English and Spanish. Yeah. So most of the photos you'll see will have them on English. Right. Yeah, but there are, there are, you know, there are loads and loads of Seikos because Seiko, it, it's such an easy thing to do and Seiko are pretty good at day wheels. Does anybody of you speak Spanish? No. Probably not, because I've seen one. I don't know whether that's Spanish, but that's my favorite uh, date wheel. I, I think it's Spanish, uh, where it says sex for... <laughs> Every the, day, every day. No, it's no, a funny it says calendar. sex on one day, on one day, which is sex. It's an <laughs> aspirational kind of case. It's a motivational thing just to get you out of bed. It's like, oh, it's a sex day again. <laughs> oh, I barely recovered from the yesterday's sex day. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're back to women, et cetera. I think so. I, I, naturally, we would have, we, we were going to end up here anyway. <laughs> yeah, but there, there are. Yeah, but the German, I mean, the German uh, short term one says die on it, though, doesn't it? Yeah, Dienstag. Right. Yeah, you're right. I didn't, I never thought about that. Yeah. The, the Germans do that a lot. Lange does. They, uh, uh, not made in Germany, they say handgemacht in Deutschland or something. Um, many, many German companies. Sinn has uh, also not made in Germany. Sinn has also, I think, hergestellt in Deutschland or something uh, on there. And there is a small brand, Dekla, who, who mm. even says uh, made in Stuttgart in German. 
Which, and true together is a right. town. They don't even say Germany. They say yeah. the town where they're located in. Well, see, I like that. I mean, I think if if they're that localized, I think should definitely celebrate that. You know, if it's you know, I think that actually lends. Like, I would feel much more connected to something if it was made in a particular spot. Yeah. You know, like Roger Smith stuff made on the Isle of Man. That's yeah. like a very specific thing. Yeah. So I think the made in Stuttgart. Yeah. It's nice. Made um, in twenty-seven. Acacia Plaza. <laughs> the basement turn left on down the stairs there are colibrigas on the market with two lugs which is great and english uh text on it which i think is uh i never would like a colibrica with english text if i want a colibrica i want a Cyrillic text on it with two lugs as it has to be but um that's arguable I mean, maybe they do the two lugs with with you know with english just for export market because they're like let's get rid of this rubbish let's dump it in the west um, no self-respecting russian person will buy a two two lug watch you know two lug watches are for children and you know disabled people um no no so yeah look i mean I, i'm lucky i've got two two calibrica watches so i've got the indicator which has the english writing on it was there's indicator in russian it actually says it's actually a mixed language because it says no. indicator in English, then it says Uglich, which is the name of the city Town. in Russian. Yeah. Then it says ten minutes and five seconds in Russian. So okay. It's yeah. a mixed thing. But you know, but there but but Sergei gets a free pass because we love him already. So he's <laughs> he's golden. Um but ten, you know, is, we'll speak to him separately. It's ten minutes and five seconds. How long it takes you to work out what time it is? Looking at it, yeah. Well, you don't wear these for, to to tell the time. You wear this to connect with you know, the good, mm. wonderful people. It's yeah. it's actually like it always takes me about because this is my weekend watch. So it always takes me maybe two two goes to have a look at the first time, and then it's kind of pretty easy. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I think they're the, not designed the, to be to the minute. The indicator is originally made for controlling the wine fermentation. It's an instrument for making wine. I, mm. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you look at it, yeah, yeah it's like the, yeah, the original dial. Yes, yeah, the, the right, okay, yeah, oh, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, but Roman said he he doesn't want to. Oh, he he doesn't like so much many words on the dial. Mm. Is somebody mm. other another opinion? Do you like Klausi? Do you like a, a whole story on the dial, like? waterproof chronometer i have my automatically two, i have my two ox and junior watches no text on it i have yeah. um um caliper what caliper timepieces from canada no text nothing on it mm-hmm. um so you, does that answer your question mm-hmm. um what i actually do like is my rolex roman where mm. the Reo, or however you pronounce that um is filled with lots of Rolex, 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 Rolex around it. Uh, they say to they make it to make it uh, to more difficult to fake the watch, but I think I just like it that the Rio is used for something. And I it, think they do. I think they market that those sort of watches for older people, so who forget mm-hmm. what kind of watch they wear. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they look and say, "I wonder when this is." Mm-hmm. You know, so they go, oh, no, "No, it says Rolex you're, all the you're way." Absolutely around. wrong because that's so small. No, uh, nobody can read it in my age without reading glasses. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's put me right. Yeah, you're right. Well, that's put me in my place. I think Roman's uh, you're probably the biggest fan of, um, you know, the hidden LVMH in the. Uh, oh, absolutely. Oh, that I was mean, great. I, I was a, look, I tell you what, I was a fan of the watch before I knew that thing existed. And if anything, like, that just strengthened my love for kind of the 
you know, the tubercular, the tuberculosis sputum colored dials that they have. It's, you know, I'm, I'm a fan either way. Uh, look, we were talking about NFT watches, I don't know, an hour ago in the podcast. I think that watch would be perfect for an NFT thing. If they only made that in a digital format that you can only buy to wear in the metaverse, I'd be all for that. You know, I'd even do a crowdfunding to help support the faster implementation of the metaverse. Um, anyway, that's fine. You know, so it, proudly it, it, can, it, can, it can really get crazy. Imagine that you have to buy an NFT Rolex before you are allowed to buy a real Rolex. Oh, no. <laughs> so you can, you can buy, for example, an NFT Submariner for, say, 1,000 euros. And that puts you in the in the right on the waiting list to get it in one year. So you can already trade the NFT watch for maybe two thousand or three thousand, so that you get the real watch. And this is the market that can be opened with that NFT opportunity. It can uh, be. It and can be, have, but I doubt. No, as I, I said I think, on the Slack group, it, only the ones at the beginning, like on a snowball. <laughs> No, I selling I insurances think, or something. I think if, if yeah. the, you know, I didn't understand the NFT and I don't understand the Bitcoin. I don't understand it technically and I don't, not, I don't understand the value of these virtual things. But I understand when this virtual thing, like an NFT that is unique, you cannot copy that. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, like a ticket, like a voucher, you know, like a share, like a stock. That no. allows you something to do in the real world that transforms into the real world, then that can be that then can become a thing. Well, I'm just looking at like um, uh, the the, tra the football transfer windows just finished in England, and uh, and some players um, you know get sold onto different clubs, and and some of the smaller clubs get a bonus because they have a sell-on clause. And that's all I look on at NFTs. Like, you know, there's a sell-on clause. So if if I buy some digital artwork, and then I and then I sell it for a profit, I have to give some of that profit to who I bought it from. Yeah. Which I just I, I just I just find it bizarre to be honest. But, but there are exist. I mean, I I mean, I didn't look at the world of NFTs. Not really my world. But but the sell-on clauses exist now in art. Certainly in Australia, you know, if you, if you buy an artwork from a living artist. There is a clause when that artwork gets resold that the the artist, the living artist, gets a proportion, gets a royalty really? of it. Yeah, yeah. there's it's in existence now. So, I mean, I get the potential thing of NFTs providing artists with add-on benefits. You know, mm. if the what if their works get resold. I mean, I'm always very skeptical. Once again, we, this is not watch related, but I'm always very skeptical when tech companies tell us that what they're doing is going to benefit the artist because particularly now if you think of, if you mm -hmm. talk about the stuff in the news now is spotify that the the artists aren't happy with spotify because essentially spotify makes much more money by providing the artist's work making it available than the artist themselves we get per yes. play and originally the the way spotify was sold to the world was, you know, it's a democratic thing. You can be Adele or you can be a random teenager on the street. You can both put upload your your music onto this thing and you can both make money. It's, you know, it's an equal playing field. And what we find is on Spotify, the same five artists make all make 95% of the money, you know, and the same five that were making money before. 
and everyone else gets essentially nothing but providing their content for free. And I kind of see the NFT stuff working in the same way. Mm, Yes, you're going to have two or three digital artists who will be promoted enough by people who've invested, not individual people, big, big collectors or tastemakers who will invest into their art and promote their art and make a lot of money on their NFTs. And all the other artists who are producing digital art will get shafted by essentially providing their shafted as an Australian vernacular. I'm not sure that if that translates to other languages uh, or other cultures. But, you know, all the other artists will get screwed over because they'll provide their art for free for someone else to make an NFT and sell it. And the artist who made the artwork will only get money if they're, if that NFT gets resold. And if that NFT never gets resold, which vast majority of them won't, mm. the artist who made think won't make any money at all. So, I mean, it's all very new um, and, I, and I could be getting this completely wrong. And once again, if I am and you're listening to this, please direct all mail directly to Klaus, <laughs> uh, the mailbox today. Um, but I, I, would be, I would be astounded if the NFT craze that's happening is anything but a market ploy to fleece people who don't know what they're doing out of their money. You know, just like just like cryptocurrency is the same way. Some people who are very knowledgeable will make a lot of money. Everyone else will put who will try to jump on the hype train will lose a whole bunch of money. Uh, and we another another superb segue looking at the time. And we will spend our money on real things like watches. I would Definitely. like to. <laughs> Definitely. Get to our last our last chapter, looking at the watch yeah. at the time, um, which is the which is talking about a watch, about a real existing watch. Um, as I said before, it's a it's a French guy with a German name producing the watch in Switzerland. If you want to read the actual world of science, fifthrest.com. This was Arabic. We are all looking at the monochrome site um, where they talk about the Dietrich or Dietrich or however it's pronounced SD1 skin diver. If you want to look it up, if you're uh, hearing that podcast while you're walking the dog or uh, do ironing and not sitting in the car, you can look that up. And unfortunately, very, very unfortunately, for various reasons, Benoit is not with us because Benoit owns one of these watches. And he could have told us how it feels on the wrist, how it feels if he, if he, in the metal. Um, what do you think about that watch? It's got two lines of text on it. It's got the company name, Dietrich, Dietrich. And it's got Automatik, which is absolutely uh, nonsense. Uh, if I buy that watch, I know that it's an automatic watch. I know that it's not a quartz watch. Why put it on there? Even 200 meters or 20 bars or something would, be mo- would make more sense. Uh, but apart from that, what what do you think about it? Whoever wants to start. <laughs> okay, you, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. I was I was being polite and uh, and waiting. Um, well, if you think, I mean, I I really I quite like it. Um, it I think it's uh, it's reasonably priced. Uh, it's got a, it's got a you know a, a, re- a good movement in it, a, a reasonable movement. It's got a, an STW two hundred. Um, Although I'm not sure whether it's a 200 or 200-1, uh, which is slightly a slightly improved version, but I, I, I think it might be a dash one. Um, I like the design cues of it. I like it's got a, an interesting bezel on it where it's not just knurled the whole way around it. It's got a hexagonal feel to many elements of it. Um, I love the sort of 3D 
depth of the dial that the that you get the shadows of the of the mm. text on there. Um, I like the fact it doesn't have a bloody display back because I get sick of <laughs> sick of okay. display backs with normal movements. I mean, okay, if I've got a, if I've got a highly finished uh, watch, you know, like when Michael Woods releases his chronometer, it'd be lovely to have a display back so you can see his twenty twenty nine. Yeah, pre-order available now. <laughs> See his amazing work, but in a standard, you know, bought off-the-shelf movement, who would want to display that? It's it's ridiculous. Um, I love the bracelet. Um, there's a, a really lovely uh, bracelet that comes with it. The, it also comes on a, a rubber strap for about sixty-five euros less, um, and the rubber strap's nice too. Uh, you know, there really isn't a great deal about it that I can fault. Um, you could say that it's not that original, I suppose, but to me, it's it's homage enough and original enough that uh, I just, you know, I think for the money, it's a very, very good uh, choice. Um, but it'd be interesting to see, uh, really, as you said, Klaus, it'd be interesting to see what it's like to live with, see what it's like uh, on the on the wrist. Um, you know, I, I think Big Trick are a, a, a good company. I think they're reasonably good quality. Om du vill ha autentiska insikter i horologins värld, kom över till fiftwrist.com. This was Swedish. Wolfgang, what do you think? Yeah. No, no, no. How I, many? I, how many marshmallows? <laughs> how many marshmallows? For me, how many marshmallows? Um, I'm going to go. For, I'm going to go for four marshmallows. Wow, there, there are five in total, just to for the audience. Well, I. Yes, I can most mostly second what what Phil already said. I I also think the bracelet is special. I've never seen such a bracelet like a turtle. It's no no not like a turtle. It looks like not, the the tiles in my bathroom. <laughs> no 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 no. What bathroom do you have, Klausi? Sixty uh, years Frankfurt bathroom. Uh, from the 1960s from the 1960s when they when they when they beautiful. put up an, another um, story onto that old house here yeah beautiful <laughs> yeah well i like the bracelet i'm not sure if the integration of the bla- uh, bracelet the moment when the pr- bracelet meets the case mm. if that is really be- a beautiful solution maybe there is something to make better i don't know but i I like the watch. The uh, 3D effect is really wonderful, like uh, Phil already said. I also like the crown, you know, that little fish, mm-hmm. uh, the little fluorescent fish in the gra- crown. So I'm not really at the moment into dive watches or skin divers like this watch. But otherwise, that's a beautiful watch for the summer. If you're going to a bath or mm-hmm. to the sea, Perfect. I like it. And the little fish on the crown is is loomed as well. Yes, it's loomed. So, yeah, yeah. That's cool. really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the strange thing, uh, sorry, to, to, to jump back, the strange thing about it when, when you look on the monochrome site, um, if you look at the, I mean, I do like, I'll call that snakeskin, that bracelet, but if you look at the third, look at the third picture on the monochrome site, uh, the one, the side on picture, um the render shows the bracelet without a clasp <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh, 
which is a, a bit, I, I was thinking when I was originally looking at it, is that an old man's stretchy bracelet? Um, oh. But uh, yeah, when you go onto the actual Dietrich uh, website, you can see that it does have a class with micro yeah. adjusters and things. I think it's just a, it's just a terrible. It, I mean, the render's amazing because that's you know, what that's what uh, Rob's in the Robin the Ray regulator show said before. The renders are so good that uh, people think it's real. I yeah. think it's thought it's real, and I now see that it must be a render because there is no class. Yeah, it's really, really strange that these are renderings. Mm. Yeah, they're, it, they're amazing. They're, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, even to the point where the one I'm looking at, where you can see that it doesn't have a clasp. Yeah, you look at the side, and it's even got the brushing on the the side of the case. It's you know incredibly detailed. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, render, render it must be. Mm. If, if unless they made one uh, a bracelet without a clasp, <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that the the uh, where where it goes from the case to the bracelet is actually not that bad. I've seen I've seen worse executions of that, especially because it's not a fully integrated bracelet. Mm. There there is an option for a for a mm. um, for a rubber that. strap, um, but I I have the feeling that the strap is a little bit thin, but maybe Benoit would have could tell me that it's not true to me it looks a little bit thin on the on on the pictures uh i was very much interested mm. to to see that in real life to see whether that's true because other apart from that that's a fairly nice watch what i actually really like is these the the bezel has the uh, uh has interruptions at the mm. 10 the 20 the 40 etc um mm. where the sawtooth is interrupted um this has no specific reason. It just looks good, and it shows that they look at at detail. They just don't do it the way everybody does. I make the sawtooth around the bezel so that you can move it. That's it. That's a little bit more to it, and I really like it, especially and especially the the um, the sapphire um, bezel. That's also a very cool solution. Yeah, Rome, what do you think? Oh look, I, I broadly agree with you guys. I mean, oh I sorry, sorry to interrupt you again, Wolfgang. Hmm. How many marshmallows? Ah, uh, how many marshmallows? Uh, we said the more is F five is the perfect watch. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, uh -huh. Zero is a grand mm -hmm. size. Uh, is the 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 worst watch <laughs> you could think of. No, this is a three. Okay. Mm hmm. Roman. What's the, what's the equivalent to three marshmallows to Klaus boobs? Because I'm still operating on Klaus boobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it translates one to one. We, we confused all the words. Everybody who listened to us and was on Klaus boobs, now we have to explain what is a marshmallow. This is yeah. really complicated. Should we go back to Klaus boobs? No. Is no, no. We, we, we it's not said okay. All right. we are it's not politically correct. We don't we want Klaus anymore. Woke society. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, fair enough. No, so I, I'm sorry I brought the discourse down. Uh, my apologies. Uh, look, uh, look I, I broadly agree with you. I think it's done well, priced well. It has enough interesting components and interesting design elements to hold its own. Uh, so, you know, there's a space for this kind of watch at this price level with these bit diddles so i totally agree with you i i quite like this watch i've got two bits of criticism though if i may uh one is the site says it's been featured on hodinky so that's obviously a red flag for me so that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna reduce the marking eventually the other the other criticism i have and i'm very pedantic and i have this criticism 
often about brands who just put kind of nonsense into their mission statements or descriptions for why this watch exists. And, you know, so the, the opening sentence on Dietrich Webster says, in seek of balance, in today's world, we often find ourselves drowning in the mundane rhythm of everyday life. So often that we don't give ourselves the time to stop and busk our bodies and warm minds in the warmth of the simple thing, contentment. <laughs> so my problem with that is, A, that's bullshit completely. I mean, it's true, but it doesn't belong on the watch thing. The other thing is, if you're going to use the word busk our bodies, busk is to entertain for money. So that's synonym for, for prostitution. So what they're saying is essentially that we have to give ourselves the time to stop and prostitute our bodies to earn the money to buy this watch. So having said that, I mean, I'm not prepared to do that, obviously. Uh, not not for this kind of money. I That's only for explorers. Um, I do think maybe a sea dweller, uh, obviously. But no, look, look I, the, all jokes aside, I think it's a great watch. This is a really good example of a micro brand, whatever that means, mm. doing something really well at a really good price level, which we can all sit here and say, there is a reason why this watch exists. We could all recommend this watch to a friend, you know, who said, hey, I'm interested right. in something. You go have a look at a Dietrich, you know, 3D dial, really cool mm. bezel, sapphire bezel, really interesting bracelet, really cool clasp, you know, and it's only only in inverted commas, obviously, for people. It's a reasonable price for a cool watch, even despite that it's been featured on Hodinkee. You know, you're gonna you're gonna look past that, you know, and then you can find it. So no, look, I agree with you. It's good. On the I'll I'll do three and a half. Can we do half marshmallows? Yeah. yeah. Three and a half marshmallows. Three and a quarter, actually, no, three and a quarter marshmallows. I'm deducting <laughs> a quarter marshmallow for Hodinki reference. Um, well, and I'll give a pass on the basket. And, and the look at the, at the font of the date. This is yes. also interesting. I, I wonder how the other figures. Uh, I've thought like. of that as well. I've yeah. thought of that too, because it's mm -hmm. quite a tall window. It's not a big mm -hmm. date per se, but it's quite a narrow but tall window. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see like a 12 or a, mm -hmm. you know, like a yeah, more complex number. We should Another interesting we should... thing is, is that on their website, they're announcing coming soon the Skin Diver SD2. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we might have to uh, review our... Uh, ah, interesting. Uh, we should, we should ask uh, Benoit to shoot a, a, a picture series of all the dates from 1 to 31. Yeah, we right. should also ask Benoit to yeah. um, do a review of his mm -hmm. skin diver on the website on Absolutely, mm -hmm. um, because unbelievably, know? the only Dietrich review is from Rob Kitto, Geneva Blue, uh, mm -hmm. our spiritual father in in Perth. <laughs> uh, talking yeah, about well, the we'll date window, do, do you know that there are Breitling watches where the date window is between four and five? And they change the direction of the date depending whether it's single digit or double digit. The date oh, is the window is rectangular, not square. Okay. And when it's a, a, a single digit number, it uses the whole of the rectangular. Oh, that's clever. And if it's a double digit, it flips the the numbers by ninety degrees to sit there and use the full broad width of the of the window. Very clever. Yeah. Yeah, you don't that's that is very clever. You don't sort of associate that level of cleverness with Breitling, but that's no. really good. That's real, that's genuine, that's really cool. Uh, well done, yeah. Breitling. So no, well done. So I, I'll have to give them my uh my um not not boobs, my my marshmallows Sorry, yes. to the Dietrich. Yes. Um I would give it four 
if not for the hands, the hands remind me of butt plugs. I wonder that that didn't come up before from you guys. Um, the tip of the hands is, I, I don't I know what we, they we, thought about. We don't receive the same <laughs> mail catalogs you do. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. we didn't think of it, you see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's only three. With other hands, it would be four. So if the hands weren't butt plugs, would it be two? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Which is I the perfect. I can never unsee that now. That's that's firmly yeah. embedded. That's what in I wanted. Mind. And that's what I want all the listeners. Nobody will will hear the the episode up up till the end because it's four hours or something. Um but if you hear it till the end, you will never unsee that. I think so, uh, Alex, Alex has got his little sound clip for the uh <laughs> for for the Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh, okay. That's true. <laughs> All right, it's your wee pal Mental Stevie here. Just to let you know, ya bam, if you're looking for a wee bit of insight into the world of horology, head on over to fifthrisk.com. Tell them wee Mental Stevie sent you. This was Scottish, I think. Okay, let's finish it now with the Instagram recommendations. Okay, shall I go first? Yeah. Uh, I'm ready. Okay, so mine is is Instagram. I was talking earlier about doing different things, but mine is Instagram. Uh, it's someone I'm sure Roman probably already follows, but so forgive me. But it's a very a very young guy uh, called Lewis Walduck, and his Instagram is Lewis L E W I S underscore W A L D U C K. And uh, Lewis is um, uh, he's a, a very young guy who's into antiquarian horology. Um, he's got, he does it for, I think he's doing an apprenticeship or something. Um, and he's, you know, his feed is full of really, really interesting, um, watches from proper antiquarian. I'm not talking about sixties and fifties. These are hundreds of years old. Um, you know, and he's, he's, he's living the dream really for, for the likes of us old farts. Um, yeah, really interesting feed. He, He seems a really clued up young guy. Um, yeah, give him a follow. Yeah, it's a great account. Wolfgang. Well, I I bring something that combines two of my interests or passions. It's uh, menswear and watches. And there is one, there is a person whose, whose name is Romain. So I think that's a good idea. Because cool. We have Roman on the, on the podcast. Yeah. So Romain is a guy from the French part of Switzerland and his Instagram name is Sartorial Watchmaker. In one word, he's a young guy. He has something to do with watches. He has already a pretty good followership. He's Sartorial like Sar- Sartorial ah, Watchmaker. Ah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks good. He has large following already and i think he's a nice guy very funny yeah interesting so mine is a guy also who which i selected because he has a little bit connection to to roman he is a greek guy living in london so he he moved from his home as well to into a commonwealth country and he makes he's into watches he's looking uh into a uh, independent company which I like very much. He, maybe he will buy one of those. So he got in contact with me, 
and he puts a lot of very very cool black and white pictures from London into the in, into the, the Instagram not about watches he's called your London eye with a underscore between the words so your underscore London your underscore eye very nice guy and I like photography as well as I like watches not that I'm good at it but I, I like to watch it so I would follow him even if he would not be into watches oh, that's a good one that's very cool yeah, Lovely beautiful photos. photos. Yeah, beautiful photos. I'm always en envious of people who just have an eye for that kind of thing. Um, no, they're very cool. Um, shall I do mine? Yep. Um, yeah. I've got somebody called Horro underscore Surgeon. So H-O-R-O -O underscore Surgeon. S-U-R-G-E-O-N. So it's about 1,900 followers. Um an incredible collection of independent watches yeah. yeah, and independent watches, everything from sort of Coronos all the way up to, you know, crazy FP Jones and, you know, just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, there's Ming's there's Patek Philippe. I think there's even a Rolex or two, but you can just scroll through those obviously on the way to something better. There's Gronefeld's like, I love finding accounts like this, you know, it's clearly a person with a really good taste really understands indies and just really collects what they like so really really cool account and a good photographer yeah ex exactly exceptional photos mm. just absolutely unbelievable photos so yeah. horror underscore yeah i followed surgeon. him already it's, it's great he's, he's got some lovely macro shots isn't he mm. yeah. yeah 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 so yeah just a really cool cool collection so bravo to horror underscore surgeon uh, i've never interacted with them never spoken i think called perry but Seems like a good person. Definitely got a good eye for horology, for indie stuff. A future guest, hopefully. There's or a, or a witness for the prosecution, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so very cool. So that's let's finish that and finish it with a with the usual outro. Fifth race is a community of, of enthusiasts from the community for the community. If you haven't done yet. Have a look at fifthrisk.com or even better, Benoit, leave a review of your watch on of one of your watches there and help other members of the community to make a better educated decision. If you like that podcast, follow it and rate it on your podcast platform. If you want authentic insights into the world of horology, head over to fifthrisk.com. This was Serbian. My name is Klaus at Tapar underscore FFM. The gang was Wolfgang at Watch Style with an underscore between every letter. Phil at Pippi. Benoit at Petit Seconde. And Roman is at Times Roman. We're looking forward to seeing you here on the pod again soon. The time is gone. The song is over. Thought I had something more to say. Goodbye. Take care. And stay, stay on time. Holtiden. Restieder. Gikandodini. Immer schön pünktlich sein. Zamanlakal. Tai sul tempo. Ostanite tachni. No jeres tarde. Bute vsegda vovreme. Epka alalwak. Be on time. Ya bobak. Fifth Wrist is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthwrist.com and join the movement.